and welcome to episode 91 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm JR. Today we're talking my pick, which is Hungry Hearts from 2014, directed by uh, Severio Costanzo. I think I said that right. Uh, and uh, starring Adam Driver and uh, Alba Roar, Roar Walker? Something. Roar Walker? She's the uh, she's, sis- sis- she's the sister of that oh. filmmaker Alice Rohrrocker, uh, and uh, she's been in some of her films. But uh, anyway, um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about other stuff we watched. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Oh yeah, yeah. Fall uh, break, baby. Fall break. <laughs> it's your fall break as well, eh? Yeah, I get a whole week. You get a whole week. Fuck off! Wow. You know what? When I was in high school, I didn't even get a fall break. Like. We had, like, like every year we had, like, this big arts and crafts festival, so we got, like, an extra day off before the Thanksgiving break. Oh, that's nice. But, like, yeah. We get Monday, Tuesday off, and then, of course, mm. we had today off because we're recording in Louisiana. Well, Kevin and I are. And um, there's a hurricane that's about to slam into us mm. momentarily. Isn't it, uh, like, west of you guys? I believe or, it's. Uh, it was originally supposed to go right through Baton Rouge, but then mm. they changed. It changed course, and now it's going to move yet further west. We're going to still catch the edge of it, though. Yeah, this is like the third time in like as many months mm-hmm. that we've narrowly fewer avoid- months. I feel like two months. Yeah, or like two and a half at least. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, like I've, we have seriously dodged some major like bullets. And, like, not even, like, just straight-up bullets, like, some straight-up, like, shotgun blasts we have dodged. Because, like, seeing the stuff in, like, Mobile and, like, Pensacola, and then, goodness help those people in Lake Charles. And, oh, yeah, they're fucked. They're yeah. hit again now. Yeah. Because, like, like, pretty much the entire town was covered in blue tarps from, you know... The last one. Yeah, like, the end of August. And now it's the beginning of October. Shit. <laughs> wow. Like a month, three destructive ass things in like a month. Jeez. Yeah, it's going to be rough mm. for them, but uh, luckily for us, it's uh, you know it's just a lot of rain and wind. Mm. Doesn't seem like it's going to do too much damage either. Yeah. Um, I have a little bit of news since the last show. Actually, this might have happened prior to the last show. I don't think it did though. So lately I've been, uh, I don't know if I, did I talk about Airsoft on the show before? <laughs> I think you talked about it like. I might have talked to you after, about it yeah, after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were, uh, so my nephew's into Airsoft and he's like 13. And Airsoft is like the, the plastic BBs, you know, the gun, oh, yeah, guns yeah, yeah, yeah. that shoot plastic BBs. And people play it. And I've been watching videos and stuff because he was, he wanted to play. And I have Airsoft guns from when I was younger and we were trying to make films. So we had, I'd buy Airsoft guns to be like prop guns in movies. And, uh. I went out and played with him the other day, and it was a lot of fun. It was very exhausting, but like it was a lot of fun, and we shot at each other and stuff. I beat, I shot him once, and he shot me three times. And because uh, he's he, he's got this really, really nice like two hundred dollar rifle. Oh wow! But so so I was like, well, I gotta I gotta buy a rifle, you know. So I went. Uh, I was like, what can I sell to get money together to buy a rifle? Because like I don't want to spend <laughs> actual money on this, you know. Right. So I went, uh, I have, I had all my, I'd taken all my DVDs off my, my shelves here, uh, a while ago and they were just rotting in boxes over by the staircase. Mm. So I took my DVDs to a pawn shop and sold them for a quarter a piece. 
Wow. Made 110 bucks. Nice. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, took the 110 bucks, drove all the way to Mandeville to the only airsoft store that is in Louisiana, as far as I know. Wow. And uh, they were closed. So. Son of a bitch. <laughs> so I drove all the way back and I uh, hit four different Academy sports stores on the way back. They all had the exact same shit and it was garbage. So I didn't buy anything. Mm. And uh, here we are. Damn. So I sold all my a, DVDs is the moral of the story. It's a great ending. Thank you. <laughs> sold, your DVD, sold your DVDs to buy fucking guns. Yeah. All right. Toys. <laughs> Forgot you guys were in Louisiana. I know, right? Guns. Actually, I mean, it's funny. Like, the guys, the, the two main uh, YouTubers that are Airsoft guys uh, that I have been watching videos of, one of them's in California. The other one's in, like, Austria. Oh, wow. So, and the the one in Austria plays all over Europe, and they play in, like, old World War II, like, broken down, bombed out buildings and shit, and, like, tunnels underground and stuff. Damn. It's so cool. I don't know. It's just like a lot of fun. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you, you know, what do you want from me? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm embarrassed enough. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll see how deep I get into this. You know, I've, I've, uh, I bought, I bought an airsoft grenade kit, which is like a CO2 thing. It blows up a piece of plastic. Oh, nice. and if you're standing within three meters of it, you're supposed to count yourself as dead. Ah, and, uh, Three, yep. three airsoft, meters? Is this a brand? Yeah. Is Airsoft okay. a brand? No, Air, Airsoft, I don't believe Airsoft is itself a brand. It's mm. just like the name that encompasses what it is, like the the plastic 6mm BBs in guns that shoot them using mm. spring power, electric, or CO2, or new gas. And uh, there's a lot of different companies that make the guns, like tons and tons of companies. Mm. And actually, I mean, I, it makes me sick to think like I'm getting into this now because <laughs> I was like, I bought my first airsoft gun when I was probably 11. Uh-huh. I mean, it's insane that they've been around that long, you know, because it's like mm. now it's like still going strong. Like there are all these people online who are talking about it and yeah. it's a big industry. And I, I remember going to Gatlinburg with my dad and buying an airsoft gun from like a Japanese import shop that they had there. And uh, mm. I still have it, in fact. It doesn't work anymore. But, yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, I could have been playing airsoft since I was 11. Right. But I pushed out. I was afraid to get shot. <laughs> It took my 13-year-old nephew to convince me. Anyway, but that's uh, neither here nor there. The point is I'm <laughs> DVD-free, almost. I have got about 10 DVDs left over that I didn't want to get rid of. Mm. Things like uh, Gummo and Dogville and uh, Dancer in the Dark. Things that aren't on Blu-ray. Wow. How, is, how are the Von Trier's not on Blu-ray yet? I know, right? It's gross, dude. It's disgusting. Yeah, Criterion. What are you doing? I think Actually, I think a lot of them are on Blu-ray in Europe, but they're, you know, those are mm. region B, so like I don't, I'm not going to spend and, money on a region-free yeah, player. Sure. I, I would, if you had asked me, I would have said that Dancer in the Dark was on Criterion, but that's the other one. Yeah, that's uh, Breaking the Waves. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it may just be on DVD, but I thought like Europa and like uh, elements of crime. I thought those, those are both were... DVD only. Oh, on, right. uh, yeah. On a uh, Criterion. Yeah. Right. I believe. Okay. I'm 99 percent sure. Okay. I have both of those. So. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, like Nymphomaniacs on Blu-ray, House of Jack Built on Blu-ray. All the newer stuff is. Mm-hmm. But um, some of those movies, like I mean, obviously, like you know, so you would expect something like maybe like Manderley not to be on mm. Blue because it's kind of like a lesser known sequel to dogville but you are surprising that dogville's not doesn't have a blu-ray right anywho 
let's uh, let's get into the show. You know, we've wasted enough time talking about my bullshit. Let's uh, <laughs> let's talk what we watched. Who's got something? <laughs> I have oh. literally nothing. I'm just kidding. Nothing? I do stuff. Oh, I'll I'll, no, s- I, I'll start. Um, yeah. I I guess I've become sort of a bridge between my two uh, filmiac cohorts. I know, John, you loved The Revenant, and yeah. JR has no, oh, has boy. no good things to say about it, apparently. I rewatched it because of your viewing. So. Right, yeah. I mean, so, like, I, I had seen it before, and I think I, I think I probably had, like, the same reaction to it as I had when I first watched it. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I like about it, but a lot of stuff that I was, like, not crazy about, so it's really, like... I gave it a three. Like for me, it was like very much in the middle. What are the things that you like about it? Um, I thought that I thought all of the acting was pretty good, except for uh, Gleason. Yeah, obviously, he's the worst. He is like, <laughs> you know, mo- most of the other stuff that we've talked about so far, I I could probably be like, oh well, it wasn't that bad, or you know, well maybe if you viewed it in a different context or whatever but yeah. like this he's like genuinely bad i think it's like, his worst performance yeah honestly. and honestly i think it's probably tom hardy's worst performance too because he's so over the top i don't i don't I know mi- like, i don't mind him as much because mm. i kind of accept that he's because he's the villain you know it's like it's okay for him to kind of ham it up maybe a little yeah. bit but his yeah his accent is so goofy sometimes yeah and definitely like the ham factor in a movie that's like so i mean well it's Most, very, mostly so grounded. Yeah, it's grim and gr- and serious. And yeah, that. yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. And DiCaprio's playing it very natural yeah, compared, yeah. comparatively. But they don't have... I think that works, too, because they don't have scenes together till, until the end, right, really. Right. I mean, they have that scene at the beginning, but then they're separate for most of the film. Mm. And, uh, and I think he plays well off of uh, whatever that kid's name is, who's in... Uh, Oh yeah, He's in uh, Detroit. I forget what that guy's right. name is. Right, but uh, yeah. I think that they they have their scenes together are nice, and I like their dynamic mm. between Hardy and him. But um, so what are, what are your issues with? Let me guess what your issue is with it. Is your issue the dream sequences? No, it's not the dream sequence. Like uh, one of the things, I I I guess like the the whole like um that whole sequence when their camp is being attacked. Like there's a lot of those like long shots that like follows yeah. all follows all the action and sure. i don't know i i just i'm just not into that that kind of thing like i thought it was really overused in uh children of men i mean yeah i i respect the craft that has to go into something like that because obviously it's like super complicated to get all that stuff you know down but i don't know it just doesn't do anything for me sure i'd say that I feel similarly, uh, but that's more of a nitpick for me. Like the fact mm. that he chooses to stage that scene in one take, but you know, it's obviously like just stitched together and digitally and everything. Mm. But like the fact that he chooses to stage it that way, I don't like that. I would prefer it to just be normal, but I understand why he did it. And it's more of just like, I can look past it because the movie is, you know, two and a half hours and that's a five mm. minute sequence. Yeah. Um, and I will, but I will say that, uh, I I don't I my mind doesn't immediately jump to the comparison of Children of Men because I feel like Children of Men it's hard to tell where like for well for one he's not stitching it together Quaron in, in Children of Men is shooting one shot 
Mm. Like he's not stitching it together and it doesn't okay. look like he's stitching it together. And I think for that reason, that the scene that that specific scene at the end where he's running through the building and everything, that scene is much more impressive in my mind than the, uh, than the thing in, uh, than the Revenant, the, its counterpart in the Revenant. Mm. But, um, but there are parts in that movie too, that where it gets, you know, that kind of thing gets old and tired. Like, the the car sequence with the chase and everything where mm. Julianne Moore gets killed like all that yeah. like I'm yeah I, I was never a big fan of any of that but I mean you know I again the, the Revenant has so much more going for it that I just kind of forgive those little like the like the shot of him going off the edge of the cliff mm. on the on the horse I hate that shit <laughs> like I hate shots like that in all movies where it's following somebody and then the camera just ducks down and looks as they fall down the cliff. I can't stand that. It happens in like all sorts of stuff nowadays. Mm, yeah. And I really can't stand that kind of shot, but it's followed by that, this great moment where he hacks the horse open and climbs inside. Yeah, <laughs> I just yeah. love that. It's just great. And DiCaprio just, just giving it his all, you know? And I yeah, don't think, yeah. I don't think it's one of his best performances. Even I don't think he's particularly, outstanding in it he's good he does his job in it and he plays mm. the part well but like i'm not impressed by his acting in it i'm impressed by the uh, what ob- the rigor of it like what obviously right, went into right. him having to do these things like the fact that he's he's vegan or he's vegetarian or something and he actually ate like the uh, the bo- mm. the buffalo uh meat or whatever it was that the guy throws him so i mean it's just like i like i appreciate that that he's you know that he like some actors would be like, fuck you. I, I won't eat that. You know, mm. like uh Rooney Mara comes to mind in a, a ghost story. <laughs> she had the chocolate pie she was supposed to eat and she had demanded that it be vegan. You cause, know, cause she's a vegan. I still remember... a chocolate pie. Yeah. yeah, I know. Right. Well, it's not made with eggs or anything or, uh, or flour. Or I don't know what, whatever right, else the right. vegan shit is. Still, yeah. still has flour. Right. That's flour. No, not eggs. Yeah. Anyways, had to be vegan. The point is that she, you know, she she made sure that it wasn't like against her thing because she's not in the character like DiCaprio is. And it, granted, right, right. it doesn't that character that she's playing doesn't warrant that kind of right, right, you know, intensity. But I appreciate it from DiCaprio. Yeah, you know, I remember. I think this was back in like 2016 or something. Like seeing some news article about her apologizing for playing uh, Tiger Lily in that live action Pan movie. Oh yeah, I could see and, that. And it was like. You know, like, well, why did you sign on in the first place? Like, it it's not like you didn't know what you were doing when you, right. you know, when you why got into this. <laughs> why didn't the rest of the actors apologize? Because I watched it, and it's really bad, and everyone <laughs> should feel guilty. Uh, right, right. I mean, I think it's just like a PR thing, right? I mean, it's like, I mm. doubt seriously if she actually felt bad about that. She probably didn't even think about it. And then somebody right. was like, look... You better get out ahead of this thing. Let's apologize on Twitter. Let's go on a tour of all the talk shows. Right, talk about right, how right. horrible this movie is and how racist it is. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I, I didn't see the film. Mean, I know I hear the film is quite bad, but I mean, mm. obviously that's not the issue, you know. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's the same thing when you say, like, you know, ScarJo plays the lead in Ghost in the Shell, you know. Yeah. And they try to work their way around that by saying, well, she's, you know, it's like the consciousness of the Japanese girl in the English girl's body. Right, <laughs> but that's obviously uh, you know taking a taking a big liberty with the original text. Anyway, I love mm. the Revenant. I do. I can't get over it. I mean, I thought I was going to watch it and it was going to drop a little bit for me, and it mm. just didn't. I was just like, "This is great." In fact, there are parts of it that I remember like really like having 
kind of big issues with, like parts of Tom Hardy's performance, for instance, and mm-hmm. all that stuff kind of just struck me as being like, that's eh, not too bad, you know. It's okay. like it'd be like a nitpick if I said it's not enough to drop it a star or anything like that, right? Well, yeah, because I was wondering. I saw that you had watched it, and I figured you would put in like another review, like six now, out of five. I or can't, still can't six, do six out of five. Can't or... do six out of five the third time. I think I did okay. it twice when I first watched oh, okay. it. Okay, right. You right. know, it's. I mean, it's just a. It's just a <laughs> five out of five. I like it a lot, and right. uh, you know, and I. It's, 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 it's just bizarre that it's a five out of five, and you've mostly said bad things about like. Oh, you've listed fuck the things off. that you don't fuck like. Off. We were talking about what we didn't like. I, I love it. I love the fucking dream sequence. I love the referencing to other films. Like, there's a really obvious Jodorowsky reference in it where a bird flies out of a gunshot wound. I fucking love that shit. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the way that it connects to his other film, uh, Birdman, the year before, there's, a, there's the same shot of the, uh, the, the meteor falling to Earth in both films. I'm really into that. I, I felt it was very moving at points. Like, the... All the stuff where he's talking to his son and he's saying, I'm here with you, like, you know, you don't have to be afraid and all this kind of stuff. And then, mm. and like, when he talks to him after he's dead, I was very, very moved by that. I th- I think it's a, I mean, just like what I said about his performance, very rigorous. And the, the filmmaking itself is just seems insane. Like, it's just, like, so much energy went into it, you know, and, like, mm. money and obviously. But it reminded me of, of, speaking of Jodorowsky, like how he called the Dune trailer, he said it was, like, it looks like industrial cinema. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that, and it's, like, I mean, something like, like, like Scorsese made Silence, right? And, like, Silence is a brilliant film, and it's beautiful, mm. but it's obviously, like, it's probably costs a lot of money. Like, and I wonder if Jodorowsky would say that's industrial cinema, you know, right. or would he just, or does he reserve that for blockbusters, you know? Cause it's like, I don't know what, where's the cutoff money wise, you know? Cause obviously it's, it's not as if Scorsese was over there like Herzog in the seventies, just him and a DP and a sound guy, you know, shooting, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, I'm sure they had a huge crew and catering and all that shit, you know? And yeah, I mean, trailers and whatnot. Yeah. But, uh. Anyways. And wasn't it filmed like a long time before it got released or was it silence or revenant silence? I, I believe he had been working on it for a long time. I don't okay. know if it, I don't know if it was sitting on a shelf or anything. Okay. I need to rewatch that too. Mm. That's a classic. Anyway. All right. Jer. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. I watched, uh, I watched Max Montemore. It's just like been on my <laughs> Netflix DVD queue forever. What is what is this? Kevin's laughing. I don't and, even know what uh, this is. I'll I'll get into it after JR right, talks. Go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, just a director that I like. Uh, you know, I'm gonna butcher the name, but like uh, Nagisa Oshima, the Japanese uh, new wave director. Right. Yes. Uh, he went to France and made this in the mid '80s, and it is about a man, a French man. French wealthy man who discovers his wife is renting an apartment and having an affair and he goes to like bust up the situation and like catch her in the act and uh, he catches his wife Charlotte Rampling in the act with uh, a fucking chimpanzee and this is like a full full on like bestiality affair movie and uh it's also somehow like the most boring movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it's who's the man? Oh shit! Oh, it's no, some nobody. No, he he is Anthony Higgins. Oh, Anthony. Yeah. Okay. Do, do they someone. do they show ramp? They show rampling banging a chimpanzee. 
No, no, it, it doesn't go. Okay. It, it doesn't go like full like animal porn. You know, it's this is like a very artsy. No, it's not. It's <laughs> wow. Not it is just like straight like boring French drama, but the affair in the middle of it is with a fucking chimp, and uh, you know this could be like a wild movie, or it could be a weird comedy, or it could be <laughs> some weird fucking artsy thing, and instead it just plays it totally straight, and uh, it is filmed in like I. I think of it as just like this boring ass French way. Like there's something like so it's so mediocre and still and the colors are dull and the performances are like way too measured for what's going on. And it's uh it's it's like a fucking waste of time and it made me really mad that I watched it and it, it's you know, the chimpanzee becomes like he's part of the family. He just becomes like the pet who uh services you know, the wife. occasionally fucks yeah wow and, it's, and we're just we accept it you know the the husband accepts it oh yeah husband accepts it uh their like 10 year old child accepts it the uh their maid <laughs> accepts it everyone's just like cool with it because like at the again the end like the climax there's like a, a weird climax where the chimpanzee ends up with a gun uh, but then the movie goes on for 25 more minutes, and uh, chimpanzee gets lost in the sh- in the in the woods. And they're like, he's never been free before. We have to go find him. And so, like, <laughs> we're just trying, like, a whole family is like, trying to find the the chimpanzee who is a, a homewrecker. So, I also like it's not clear how Charlotte Rampling got like hooked up with this chimpanzee. But I was going <laughs> to ask. I was going to ask that. Yeah, did she work at a zoo or? Well, just how did she figure no. out that she was attracted to a, a monkey? Right. I don't, I don't know. It's really just like, you know, they, they play like the couple's argument game of just like, <laughs> like, you don't need to know where I met him. You don't need to oh. know how he is. He's better than you. It's just like, oh, my fuck. Oh, my fuck. It's, uh, it's one of the worst movies I've seen in a while. And, wow. Uh, yeah, I was just, uh, I don't know what I was expecting. But I, I just I like uh, I like Oshima, so I thought it might be something. That is a uh, mm. very strange, uh, strange film you're describing, man. I don't really know <laughs> what to say about that. You know, um, it reminds me of uh, what's that movie? Isn't there a movie um, also from the '80s or maybe from the '90s where a guy fucks a leopard? What's that movie called? Is there? You know this movie I'm talking about? I, I well, don't. It's like this guy and he falls in love with this leopard and he fucks it. I don't know what it's called. Is it an, an actual leopard or are you thinking about cat people? No, no, no. It's like a legit animal in the Oh, film. okay. <clears throat> guy <Huh>. fucks leopard. Because <laughs> I remember seeing the, um, <laughs> the uh, cover of the leopard. The... Uh, the uh, the film on Criterion and always thinking that was it, but that's not it. No, the left the leopard is a very different thing than what you're describing. All I'm getting is wild redhead and leopard print shirt fucks guy porn zog. <laughs> I don't know what movie this is. I, I guarantee I'm telling you, there's I've seen parts of it on somewhere. 
<laughs> on basic Cinemax. Is also like it's like literally turning up genuine leopard fucking porn on oh, Google. Well, wow. Yeah, maybe that that might be a abort. You know. <laughs> I'll find out what it is later. All right. Uh, I watched uh, I watched Demons for the first time, which is a um, film from one of those Italian Jalo guys' kids. What the fuck's this guy's name? I can't remember. Who directed Demons, Jr. Oh, was it Bobby? No. Yeah, yeah, Bava. yeah. Bob. Yeah, Bava Lamberto Bava, hmm. Mario's son, right? And. Yeah. Uh, Demons is from 1985, and it's uh, a movie I'd heard about for a while. And it's about um, it's about demons. It's about these these mm. these people who all get go to a movie, a free screening at a movie theater in Berlin. Uh, and uh, little do they know that there are there's like an ancient mask that cuts you and then turns you into a demon, and then that person can turn other people into demons by cutting them. So. Eventually, it turns into like pretty much like a zombie film. Like there's just like demons running around, and everybody's trying to like run away from them. And mm. certain people are fighting back, and they're boarding themselves up, and they can't leave the theater. So there's like shades of exterminating angel in it. Like they they can't get out. Like none of the doors will open. And and uh, I, you know, I'll tell you, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was yeah. a blast. Uh, <laughs> it was it's really kind of goofy, you know. But uh, I mean. It had some really good violence in it, and uh, I just it's a lot of fun, and it's pretty short. And uh, there is, I, I had a big issue at the end of it because uh, it's really strange the way that they decide to get their main characters out of the conflict. So, uh, so it ends up that there's like two people left alive, like, and there's just nothing but demons, and uh, they're like, how do we get out? And all of a sudden, a helicopter just randomly crashes through the roof of the theater. And they don't explain where the helicopter came from or, like, why it crashed through the roof. <laughs> and they just jump into the helicopter and they get the emergency grappling hook gun out of the back of the helicopter. <laughs> and then they shoot it through the hole in the roof and they climb out of the theater. And that's how they escape. Huh. And I was like, that's a little weirdly convenient. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's a pretty silly movie all around, so I didn't really mind that. Um and I, yeah, I just had a blast with it, and it led me right to Demons Two. You know, I was like, I got to check out Demons Two, which is from the same director. So I was like, score, mm. and it was on uh, Mubi on the library. So I watched Demons, the first one on YouTube, and it was a pretty shit print. And then uh, I watched the uh, the other one in HD on Mubi, and the second one is about uh, same scenario, but everybody's trapped inside of an apartment building. And it's much better made. Like, it looks better. It's much, like, it's better shot. The camera looks better. The the, the the actual shots themselves are, like, smoother. Like, it looks like they had, like, you know, really better equipment and shit. But uh, it's really fucking boring and dull and, like, Aww. nothing nothing exciting happens. And it takes, like, forever for the first demon to show up. And, uh, yeah, I just did not enjoy Demons 2 at all. <laughs> but Demons 1 is a, is a real must-see. Mm-hmm get into it <laughs> so it just stopped me right in my tracks with my lamberto bava marathon mm. i was gonna go and watch more of his stuff but <laughs> it's like demons 2 is garbage mm. <clears throat> jerry have you seen demons 2 yeah i i don't remember thinking it was that much worse than demons i think you gave him the same uh, rating actually now that i think about it but yeah i, I did not like it man i, I like mm. the first one a lot though I love when he gets on the motorcycle with the samurai sword. I mean, this is the kind of shit you get in the first one. See, it's a lot, right, of, it's right, a lot right. of fun. Yeah. The second one doesn't have anything fun like that. Mm. 
anyway. I'm not a Jalo oh, guy, I, but, you know. I remember <laughs> Demons being a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a blast. But that's really all I remember about it. Mm. <laughs> well, it's on YouTube in a 720 print. You can check it out. It's mm, pixelated nice. as fuck. <laughs> you watch it on, like, the, a uh, thumbnail. The Demons page on Letterboxd says that it is also on movie. Is that you, wrong? I mean, no, it, might, it probably is. There's no way... Well, okay... When I'm on Mubi on my Apple TV, there's no way to search the library. You can just go to the library and look at the titles, but there's no way to search for a specific title. Mm. So Demons, yeah, that's a, that's just a, sh- a shitty thing about the movie library. I don't understand yeah, why there's ridiculous. no search function. Mm. So the, the Demons 2 just happened to be right there on the screen, <laughs> and I was like, perfect. But then, uh, so I so I couldn't look for Demons. I went, I scrolled down like a hundred thousand titles. I just couldn't find it. But I was like, it doesn't matter. I already watched it, you know. But yeah. Anyway, hmm. Kev. Oh, real quick. Uh, the reason I laughed when uh, oh, yeah. Jr. brought up Max Monomore. So, like, you know, like when you open the Letterboxd app on your phone, and at the bottom, it'll you say like you know popular with friends. Sure. So, like, Max Monomore was on there, and there was another movie that I think uh, Rustin watched mm. and gave like. I don't know. I think he gave it like a two, and Fright yeah, Night, maybe he gave Fright Night a one. He hated, okay, he hated Fright Night. Yes, yes, yes. I know. I, I had to confront him about. it. I was like, dude, <laughs> what is your problem with Fright Night? <laughs> I was like, how do you like? How do you work up that much passion against Fright Night? Like, it's not that bad of a movie. I, I enjoyed it. You know? uh, great movie. I don't think it's. I don't. Anyway. Think, I don't think yeah. it's great, but it's it was good though. <laughs> Well, it just struck me as, like, really funny that, like, these two movies that my friends gave, like, one star to, popular with friends. Like, not really. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. I mean, you know, it it just shows, like, the, Yeah, this different shit has been rated by friends. Yeah, yeah, but I I just thought, like, it just worked out so funnily that. (laughs) They're also very, like, um, far away from each other. Like yeah, stylistically, yeah. and it's interesting because they're both from the '80s, though you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Might be from the same year, in fact. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, I have been on a little bit of a Oliver Stone kick lately. Oh, yeah. So I watched uh, Platoon, Born on the Fourth of July, and Nixon. Oliver Stone, the man who never made uh, more than three stars in a film. Eh? <laughs> Well, you know, if you, oh, fuck. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. If you had, if you had asked me in, you know, like, like eighth grade or something, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure how I got into Oliver Stone so early in my life. Like I got into Stone, like before I got into like Pulp Fiction or any, anything else like that. Um, but yeah, like. Yeah, in middle school, I was, like, a diehard Oliver Stone fan. Like, I thought Platoon was the greatest thing ever. Um, Great film. Yeah. Uh, what JR says. Platoon rules. <laughs> I mean, and, like, watching it now, like, the, the first thing that struck me when I watched Platoon was, like, how young Willem Dafoe was. Yeah. It was, like, night and day from, like, the way the way you see him now. I mean, you know, it happens. But it was, like, Whoa. Like I didn't realize how how long ago it actually was that the movie came out, but um, I don't know. Like, it's it's one of those things where I didn't like necessarily dislike anything in in any of the three that I watched, but there wasn't a whole lot to really like either. Um, 
I mean, the one the one thing that I can really say about uh, Nixon was like, I thought uh, James Woods fucking kills it. Like he is so good in this movie. Yeah, I don't even remember him being in. It. I I know, <laughs> it's right? Been so long since I've seen. Yeah, him. and like I said, in like, I think so. The version of Nixon that I watched was the director's cut, and I think like originally in the theatrical, like there's a scene with the. Uh, Nixon confronting Sam Watterson, who's like the head of the CIA, whose name I forget. And like I read about it on the Wikipedia page that like they had Watterson wear these like yeah the contacts yeah the black contacts to like show like like casually show how evil. evil this man yeah, was yeah. And like that's fine in and of itself, but Sam Watterson sucks. <laughs> he is a terrible actor, especially in like this twenty minute scene. Like that, the thing that, like you know, well, Mr. President, well, you know, and like, <laughs> like I'm, like, I have, yeah, I'm hamming have... it up for a comedic effect, but it's not that different from his performance. It's just really, really bad. Have you seen the Killing Fields? No, I watched uh, the first twenty minutes of the Killing Fields, and I actually was really enjoying it, and I. Uh... I lost the rental on iTunes. I, mm. I waited too long to watch it, and then I didn't, didn't get back to it in time. But um, but then I downloaded. It. I'm going to watch it. But uh, mm. but I, I was really I, I never really seen him. And I mean, I've seen him in stuff. Like I saw, I've seen Nixon, and I've I saw him in uh, the the original Great Gatsby. He plays uh, Tom, whatever. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, but I don't you know I don't remember his performances in those movies necessarily. Mm. But I was enjoying his performance in Killing Fields quite a bit. I don't know. Maybe maybe back then he was maybe he was better, or he had like better stuff to work with. I don't know. Could just be at um, an off day. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe you know maybe I mean he's, I mean Stone had the idea to put the contacts in. Maybe he wanted them to be like over the top. You know. Like, yeah, hey, yeah. I, I goofy during this scene. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It could have been. I don't know. It's, um, been, it's been a long time. I need to rewatch it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I I liked all of the movies. Um, but none of them like really got into like great territory for me. Um, I mean with platoon, like I've seen platoon like a billion and a half times. So that probably has a lot to do with it. And I've seen born on the 4th of July a couple of times, but there were still like a bunch of scenes that like, I had like no memory of like when the, they get like, he and uh, Tom Cruise and Defoe get dumped in the desert and they're fighting. Oh, such and... a great scene. Yeah. And fuck you, man. You weren't there, man. Yeah. It's <laughs> so good. Yeah. The only thing that got me about that scene was like, man, man, man. Oh, I love it's that. Like, Stop saying man. It's so real. <laughs> <laughs> I like when they start spitting on each other. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like a spitting match. Yeah. And they can't like conjure up any spit yeah. to actually like, Hawk's Hawk at the what prison. a great film. <sighs> Wait till you get to Savages. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, Snowden. Well, I remember U-Turn being kind of like... Like, not like anything. I never saw like, U-Turn. That's, the, that's one of the ones I've never seen. Yeah. It's got like... A, it's got a Are huge you working your of, way through everything? I don't know if I want to. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would stop before you get to like 2000... Three, probably. 
I, I actually, I, honestly, if I were me, I would watch through Alexander maybe because I'd be interested to see that again. But okay, yeah. But everything else after that is like like W and all that shit. That's trash, man. Yeah, and like I remember, like I think I've told the story on the podcast before. Like the one movie that my mom like really like genuinely did not want me to see was Natural Born Killers, <laughs> and like I you know I waited until I'm. Yeah, I was either like 21 or 22 when I finally saw it. Oh, wow. And I was like, man, this is awful. Oh, you didn't like it? I didn't I didn't like it and like uh like I remember specifically like one scene where they like really butcher this Peter Gabriel song. Um it's like he's in like a grocery store and he's like freaking out and like the rhythm oh, of the heat is playing. They got they, the uh, snake bite. Yeah, and he just like they just like chop up this song that I love and I'm like, "No, <laughs> you're no." Let's see. I know I saw Any Given Sunday. Is that the other one you watch? What are the three that you watch? You watch Platoon, Platoon, Nixon. Born on the 4th of July, oh, okay. and Nixon. I see. Have, what and, about Heaven oh, and Earth? Have you seen Heaven and Earth? I remember seeing parts of it, but I don't remember if I've seen the movie all the way through. I have it if you want to borrow I, it. I don't even... I think I will. I, I think I will. That. You've never heard of Heaven and Earth? Why... It's, I, it's what the, is Heaven and Earth? It's, it's the, the end the, of the Vietnam trilogy. Yeah, man. It's Tommy Lee Jones, dude. Yeah. What? You never heard of this movie? Heaven and Earth? No, and like I'm looking this does not look familiar. Oh wow. Wow. Well, I think it was I think it didn't do as well as it either was, of yeah, the Yeah, no, no, it was like a two. really it was a big flop, I think. Right. And yeah. it's not as good as either of the other ones in my opinion, but then JR hates the other two, so he might like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I am going to watch Salvador again because yeah. uh yeah, James Woods. Yeah. Jimmy Woods. Yeah. You got to rewatch I mean, Casino also. You got to slog through three hours of Casino to see the three minutes of James I just, Woods. I on. just watched it like two months ago. What about, uh, have you seen, um, just speaking of James Woods, have you seen uh, Another Day in Paradise? Larry Clark film? No. He's, he's in that. You okay. might like it. Okay. He's, he's had a big role in that one. Okay. Right. And at some point, it's on my list. This There's this poster behind you over here, The Visitors. Oh. It's Elliot Kazan's last film, and uh, James Woods is. It's in. The, he's in that. It's like his second film. Oh wow! And he's the star of it, and it's, he's yeah. really good in it, actually. So yeah, I know you're not a big on Disney, but if you ever like like Hercules, is actually <laughs> it, it's actually pretty good, and James Woods is phenomenal as he's Hades, the villain. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I uh, I might get into that at some point. I am teaching the hero's journey right now, and okay. in my classes. So maybe well, I'll Star use Wars. It as a, uh, well, I mean, there you go. <laughs> we use Star Wars as Star Wars and Harry Potter are integrated into the unit, but mm-hmm. we, uh, you know, I have I have leeway to show other stuff, so I might show, oh, good, good, I might good. show some. Like I showed them a scene from the Thirteenth Warrior because it's based on Beowulf. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I just wanted to watch it. Anyway, Jr. Yeah. 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 What do you? Yeah, got? I watched. Um, let's go with this. One. I watched the uh, Burnt Orange Heresy. Oh yeah, Mick Jagger's triumphant return to acting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, small cast, sort of like a, I don't know, like pretty Mediterranean European, uh, low key like sort of thriller, art world heist. I don't know. It's it's kind of a, a weird movie, and it's uh, it's definitely not great. It's got a, uh, Clias Bang, Clias Bang. Oh, he's a Dutch guy uh, whom I don't recognize, and they're he's like hired by Mick Jagger to steal a painting from uh, Donald Sutherland, who is a 
reclusive artist living on some shack on uh, Mick Jagger's property. It's a really stupid setup that doesn't make any sense. And uh, along for the ride is Elizabeth Debicki, who was in uh, Tenant. Oh, yeah, you love Widows. her. Tall, mm. tall blonde. And, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and uh, she's really the only thing in this movie worth watching. She, I, and maybe I, I just have decided that I like Elizabeth Debicki. I, she's just a very fascinating screen presence to me. And uh, every moment that she is in this movie, I was like, I'm in. And then she goes away, and it's like, Clias Bang having a really stupid conversation with Donald Sutherland. I'm like, I'm out. I'm out again. Um, <laughs> How's Jagger in it? You know, like, not super embarrassing. He has a very tiny part. Mm. Um, you know, it's really just like the setup of him talking to uh, to Clias Bang to get him to steal the art, and then he goes away until the end of the movie. So, Is, is his performance better or worse than the deleted scenes from Fitzcarraldo? I'm gonna call it better. Okay. It's, Him and Jason Robards. Those are not great. Yeah, I know. He's he is embarrassing. Jason Robards is embarrassing in those scenes, oh. honestly. It's brutal. I yeah, I don't I don't know what I don't know what Herzog was I don't know what his fucking plan was for that. Never mind. Herzog didn't have a plan. <laughs> yeah. Um But yeah, so uh Bruno Cherisey, not great. Elizabeth Debicki, I'm starting to... She's getting to a place for me where I'm just like, oh, she's in it, I might watch it. Because mm. I also remember her being... And I didn't... like. I like, I looked her up on Letterboxd after watching this. I didn't even remember she was in this. But then I remembered her character from uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio um, version of The Great Gatsby. And I uh, remember her being the most mm. interesting person in that. Oh. I do not remember anything about that movie. I can't remember her fucking name. Daisy, not Daisy, yeah. that's uh, Mulligan, right? I forget mm, who yeah. the other characters are in that movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean... My, sorry, my computer is going super slow. I should be able to look this up very quickly. Um, she, I mean, she's one of the partiers. She's Jordan Baker. Okay. Okay. But If you yeah. say so. You know. I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> I, I mean, I like I liked her in... I, she was the best thing about Tenet, I think, probably for me. But mm. But... I don't I, I don't remember being particularly uh, impressed with anything about widows and no. uh well, I like widows and I like her and widows. I did not like love I didn't love it. It was okay. Mm. It makes me I like I worry about Steve McQueen because like these mm. I know these movies that he's coming out with now this like string of movies that he has that are like a mini series that's coming out. Amazon. Yeah, thing. I think like mm. those all just look really boring to me. But I've heard really good things about them, but they just look like a slog, man. I am not interested. <laughs> but I, I wonder if you have, you get like a, a subconscious thing going on because you didn't like Widows. No, but so, I, but I love look- I love uh, Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah, and I loved uh, what was this one before that? Hunger. No. Didn't he make another one though? Besides hunger and oh Tories? shame, yeah, sh- I love shame. Mm. Yeah, actually, I've been eyeing that on your. Uh... You can borrow that too. Borrow anything yeah, you yeah. want. I, I never saw <laughs> hunger. I haven't seen hunger because it's not on Criterion Channel for fuck's sake. And I just never oh got around to downloading. Hunger is good. Yeah, I know. I want to watch mm, it. I yeah. like Fastbender. You know, I know yeah. that uh, Jr. I don't know if he'll talk about this, but he watched. I, I was going to watch Macbeth also, the mm. Justin Kurzel film, but <laughs> I just didn't ha- get well, around to it. Yeah. 
I'll, I am going to talk about it, but okay. I'll, I'll come back around. Cool. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, um, I, uh, I rewatched killing them softly. I was just in a real rewatchy mood for some reason. And I was mm. just like, I gotta, I gotta rewatch killing them softly and see what happens, you know? Cause after the revenant, you know, it's like, I just go back, you know, earlier in the decade and see, see what's, uh, see what's, what goes down and what goes up. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, I think I'm one of the few people who defends this film. This is a great film. Like this is, this is a, a truly brilliant piece of cinema. And I say that with no sarcasm. Like it's, it is, I, I've I never even noticed how genius it was until this watch. It's so philosophical. Like it's really so subtly philosophical. Like it's got this streak of nihilism all the way through it where all the characters are stuck in this, uh, uh, horrible trudge towards their end, and everybody has it. Like everybody, f- like eventually gets fucked over and killed or killed in this movie, mm. except for Brad Pitt. And Brad Pitt is like the he's like Sisyphus. He's like the one who has to keep everything in check by killing people. Like he's just mm. got to eliminate the people who are a problem to keep everything going. And he keeps talking about like you know the like uh, after the game gets robbed Ray Liotta, everybody thinks Ray Liotta did it and he's like you got to whack uh, Mark you know like everybody thinks he's the one who did it so we whack him out and we get the games going again and uh he has to explain it's these long scenes where he has to explain this to Richard Jenkins cuz Richard Jenkins doesn't understand why they would kill Mark since they know he didn't do it mm. and and Brad Pitt's explained to me it's like it doesn't matter what he what what he actually did do it's like what people think so he's got to go and he's just like ruthlessly, you know, just he just treats people like they're pawns, you know, just like just eliminate this guy and get this guy in, you know. And it's just very bleak, but uh, I don't know. I really, I, I really enjoy. It. And it's not like there was another film that I watched. Oh, uh, everybody wants some. So I also rewatched Everybody Wants Some, which mm. I wasn't really going to talk about, but uh, it dropped hard for me because mm. it's also philosophical. Like it's got this. Um, these themes of identity and uh, cultural culturalism and things like this, and uh, but it's so much more on the nose about it. Like it, mm. it, it, like point, like it has characters pointing out shit in the middle of scenes. Like, isn't this crazy? How we were at this goth party last night, but now we're at this sports party, and then tomorrow we're gonna go to this kegger, and and it's just like, yeah, we got that. Like, we didn't have a character to fucking point that. Like, what are we retarded? Like, I, you know, I'm watching a Linklater movie. I, you would assume I have some level of intelligence, you know. Mm. But that's really turned me off, and uh, and the, the, and also like the when they go to the the drama theater department party, I was just like, this is the worst. Like, I <laughs> you got to get me out of this party. Like, this is the I only want to watch the people at this party. I don't want to mm. see them interacting with them. I hate the female uh, who is the lead. She's uh she's big now. She's been in some stuff since since everybody wants some. Such as her name is Zoe Deutsch. I know the name. She was in Disaster Artist. She was in Zombieland oh, okay. Double Tap. She was in that movie Buffaloed, mm. which was uh like a I don't know like a minor sensation mm. Sundance or something. Okay. And I she is just the worst in this movie. Like she <laughs> she reminds me so much of uh, Anna Kendrick. Oh, like, no. I just want to kill myself. Like, she's awful. <laughs> But I still enjoyed the camaraderie and stuff. But anyways, mm. uh, Killing Them Softly has all that same kind of um, that dense, like there's a lot going on in it under the surface. 
but it doesn't the characters aren't aware of it which is interesting mm-hmm. which is more interesting to me because it's like you're watching metaphor instead of it's the same thing as they tell you in like short fiction classes like show don't tell right right so don't tell me what's going on i know what's going on i can see what's going on you know mm. and uh yeah i just i loved it and it's so beautifully directed and andrew dominic is just such a talented director and he makes such beautiful films and it just pains me that he hasn't made anything in eight years and <laughs> he's just got to get the fuck back in the saddle mm-hmm. his the director of photography on it, it's a beautiful looking film and the director of photography is uh greg frazier who's shooting uh he's shooting dune so oh okay so that's exciting too always so, comes back to dune oh yeah has to <laughs> yeah has to <laughs> <laughs> anyway killing them softly Five out of five. Beautiful violence too. Oh my god! Mm. I mean, just like the the hit on um, they call him the squirrel in the movie. It's one of the actors, the actor who played um, well, you guys won't know this, but he's in Sopranos. He played. Have you watched Sopranos, Kevin? No, no. I've been I've been you know meaning uh, to the but... actor. One of the actors who plays one of the the New York bosses is in it, mm. and uh, when he gets killed, it's just incredible. I mean, it looks amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Just so good. Mm. Anyway, I love killing them softly till the day I die. And I don't care about the politics shit in it. Like, that stuff is good. <laughs> that works in it. And it's not that um, in your face, as you may remember. Like, I remember everybody watching it. They were like, it's so fucking heavy-handed. But it's just like, it's heavy-handed because it's happening in a lot of scenes. But it's like, it's not as if you're watching it and, and like meant to pay attention to what's being said on the radio or whatever. Right. Yeah. It's just I was, was going to say, isn't it on radio and like on televisions? Yeah, it's on radio. It's on. Okay, it's on televisions in one scene. Okay. In one no, scene. I I, mm. I I think I remember that scene. Yeah, it's the scene where the, so the, ro- the ro- it's the robbery. It's in the tele- It's on the television while they're mm. robbing the card game. And which I mean, like I don't have it. I mean, it's like they would probably be. I mean, that's something they might be watching. I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't bother me at all. And I like that it takes the place of score in the film. Like, there is no score. There's just source oh, music. Right. And there's uh, the debates and stuff like that going on and speeches. Mm. And I love the way it wraps up by um, Obama being elected. And it's like this, you know, Obama's whole thing was like hope, right? You know, it's like mm. w- we can change things for the better. We can hope. And and Brad Pitt just annihilates that because he's, again, the cynical denialist, right? It's just like this is all bullshit. Like this yeah. guy wants to sell you something, but it's not real. And he's like, no, and he ends with that line. Just now fucking pay me. <laughs> so that's all that matters is money and death. You know, it's, right. just, it's a great film. I love it. I think this, this has to be like a, uh, hall of fame, new Orleans filmed movie too. Oh yeah, for sure. Man. Oh, right. I mean, right. it's based on a book by uh, George V Higgins. It's based in Boston. And I started reading the book. I'm about three chapters into it. And, uh, it's, it it takes a lot from the uh, the first few chapters are just about the two the two thieves in the film um, the the Australian guy played by uh, Ben Mendelsohn and the other mm. guy Scoot McNary Frank and uh, their characters are so different in the book but they they take a lot of the same dialogue but they but they talk so much in the first three chapters that mm. it's like I mean they could fill a whole movie with the first three chapters of dialogue it's crazy. Wow. But, uh, but yeah, I like I like the idea that they changed the, the scenery and uh, it's almost like nondescript. Like it's not said that it's in New Orleans. It just we know it is because you know you mm. can you can recognize things about it. And, but it's just like this bleak, blown out, gross, rainy, disgusting town, which New Orleans isn't in parts. You know? Yeah, I was gonna say like 
<laughs> I mean, it's just, and it's like after Katrina and everything. I mean, you know, yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's a rough town in, in areas, and they shoot mm-hmm. in the worst places. And yeah, it's great. I, I fucking love it. I love it. Anyway, Kevin. So, I rewatched one from the heart, Francis Coppola's movie, starring Frederick Forrest and Terry Gar and Raul Julia, who. Again, you know, can't say enough good things about Raul Julia. He is, he is just the the best in everything that he is in. So, it's about this couple who are living in Las Vegas, and they're kind of on the rocks, and they're going off and having these different adventures, like straight after they've broken up with each other. You want to see me? Oh, hey. and uh and yeah like and another person who's in the movie who is just just the best harry dean stanton he is he's like a friend right yeah what the fuck is with your dog jr i'm so like i'm turning the microphone down all the way and you guys are still hearing me yeah yeah and that's that's troubling why isn't this working i don't know man i don't know maybe are you sure that's a volume control on there i mean he's used it before yeah okay i'm just says vol okay i was just you know i didn't know if it might have been like a gain or something or fuck i wonder i i you guys have probably been picking me up on the computer audio microphone. Hmm. I, feel, I feel like uh, I don't think so because like my monitor is working again. I feel like my like HDMI port on one. Oh, you're saying is just fucked. You're saying you're recording through the your your microphone on your computer. Yeah, so I think it's been doing the computer computer mic. Oh shit! And now, oh, okay. Hold on. Let me. So let me. I'm gonna turn my volume down. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, yeah. Tell me if you can hear me. Yes. You can still hear me. Yes. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, what the fuck. fuck's going on? I mean, if that's if that's just your computer's microphone, it's pretty decent quality, well, I gotta a, say. You, you have a Mac, right, JR? I mean, Mac, the onboard yeah, mics are really nice on yeah, Macs. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck is happening with my setup? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it requires specific stuff to make parts of it work. Yeah, but I've... It's worked before, Every, though, every right? time I've turned down the, uh, like, the volume on here before it yeah is... mm. i remember you've done that like uh whenever you were yeah. leaving when, the room you know, whenever my dogs exactly the fuck right. out exactly right I don't all know. right uh sorry guys it's all good man shit yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah continue about one one from the heart yeah um yeah, very like I love the opening credit sequence where it's like going around all these monuments in Las Vegas, and I, I'm a big big fan of Tom Waits's soundtrack. Big fan of Tom Waits. You like Tom Waits? Yeah, yeah. I, I like Tom Waits a lot. Yeah. Um, but I I really I really like the soundtrack to this movie. I think it's very very well done. I don't remember like I'm not a Tom Waits fan, so I don't remember mm-hmm. any of the songs. I don't dislike Tom Waits. I just don't. I never listened to his albums or anything. Right. Um, I remember. Um, well, two things. So one is that uh, just speaking of Tom Waits, that 
the Daily Show, you know, they used to have their mm-hmm. moment of zen at the end of each episode. Like, John oh. Stewart would say, this is now my moment of zen. And then he would show, like, a little clip of something from the news that was, like, funny or something. Uh-huh. And uh, they never had musical guests on. And the first time they ever had a musical guest, it was Tom Waits. And he, oh. said, and he said, now for my moment of zen. <laughs> and uh, and then he, he said, Tom Waits. And they went over and Tom Waits played. He had an electric guitar and he had a guy with him who was playing upright bass. And mm. I thought that was kind of a cool combination. and. That song was all right. I don't remember what it was, but uh, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, it's it's probably on YouTube. And um, the other thing is that in the film, then one from the heart, I just remember like loving, just being like moved almost to tears when uh, Frederick Forrest sings uh, "You Are My Sunshine" in the terminal oh, yeah. of the uh, airport. I was just like, that's so. I was so good. Yeah. His, yeah, because at his that per- point, that the desperation yeah, exactly. of his character. It comes through yeah. his voice so well, and it's just, like, beautiful. And I was just yeah. like, I feel so, like, I feel sorry for him. And I just feel like the, yeah. the utter, you know, just the, like you say, the desperation. It was just yeah. a beautiful moment. And I agree, Ra- Raul Julia is great. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's he's really, uh, he's really good yeah. in, the, in the film. I've always liked him and everything. I yeah. Agree. I don't. I didn't really think much of Terry Gar in this one. I thought she was she's. I think she's really good in Young Frankenstein, but that's an entirely different movie, entirely different different performance, entirely different things being asked of her. So yeah, like you could ask me to pick her out of a lineup, and I wouldn't be able to do it. Right. I don't. I don't think I've seen her in more than two or three films, and yeah, I, don't, I yeah. just don't know. Have yeah. you guys seen Tootsie? No, I have, but it's been forever. Is Tootsie worth I, watching? I, mean, I think I could pick her out because. I feel like I've seen Tootsie like eight times. Is it good? Not not because I love it. Just I don't I don't even know why. I remember thinking it was okay. Yeah. Sydney Pollock. Yeah, yeah. Right? Sydney Pollock, Dustin Hoffman. But I mean, uh, Sydney Pollock directed it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there is a wonderful like Bill Murray's in it for like a total of like five minutes out of a two hour movie. But I really <laughs> like some of his lines are just perfectly delivered, like, you know, uh, I don't know. Maybe you're gonna have to cut this out because <laughs> I, I can't remember him now. <laughs> Thinking of it, uh, sorry. Like, I'll put I'll cut it out from oh, a YouTube yeah. clip and put it at the uh, end. So, something, yeah, something to to the effect of like, I'm a little. It's a little weird for me that that I can't come into my own apartment because you're not that kind of girl. Like he's saying this to Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> Oh, he's trying to hit on Dustin Hoffman. No, like Hoffman is like trying to maintain his his image because he's like pretending to be a woman because right. he's got this job, but like people from work are coming to see him. Oh, I it's see. Like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, because you're not that kind of girl. I might check it out at some point. I just never really had that much yeah. of interest in it, but it's worth watching I like at least Dustin once. Hoffman and uh, I like Bill Murray. Yeah. yeah, Sidney Pollack has directed a movie that I like, Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah. That's that's the one, right? It's on my list, Jr. It's coming. Get ready. I I am ready. I'd love to see that. <laughs> I know, right? I I don't know why I didn't suggest it for this episode, <laughs> since you obviously hated Hungry Hearts. I can feel it coming. No, that's I so can that feel my reaction, it Matt. coming. <laughs> no, just kidding with you. I was not. My reaction was angry, but not hateful. I understand. Okay, I understand. I'm I'm very excited to talk about it. Okay, mm. uh, Jr. What else did you watch? Let me, uh, I'll wrap up with uh, a Justin uh, Kurzel Kurzel sure why double not? feature. Um, I watched the uh, True History of the Kelly Gang, which I know uh, has been spoken about on this podcast before. Mm. I will say uh, simply that you know, as far as like a biopic type of thing go, like goes, this is 
pretty wildly stylized and sometimes that's interesting and sometimes it feels just kind of like overdone um i didn't really think anything good or bad about many of the performances uh, except for uh se davis as like the matriarch of the kelly gang i was really not into the weirdness she was bringing um but you know just like visually this was enough that i was like i wonder if this uh kurtzel guy uh it's got some other interesting things going on. And, uh, you know, then I watched The Burnt Orange Heresy, and I was like, oh, look, Elizabeth Debicki is in a Justin Kurtzel movie. Let's watch Macbeth. And uh, I really like Macbeth, you know, English teacher. I am required by law to like Shakespeare. Okay, hang on. I'm sorry. I, I, I got to stop you. Why? The Why burnt, you the, the Burnt Orange Heresy is a Justin Kurtzel movie? No, no, no. I, I watched, like... I watched the Burn Orange Heresy. Okay. Had Elizabeth Debicki. Loved Elizabeth Debicki. Right. Okay. Wanted more Justin. Wanted more Debicki. They're together. She's in Macbeth? in Macbeth. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I misunderstood. I was I was really confused. I was like, "There's no way I missed that the Burn Orange Heresy is a Justin Kurtzel no, movie." No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> he he made Macbeth. Right. 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 Okay. Uh, okay. I'm Dubicki sorry. Has a, Dubicki has like a small role. She's a Macduff's wife i think okay she's lady mcduff lady mc thank yeah thank you sure. that's, that's better <laughs> lady McDuff. same thing but okay. talking about how you love shakespeare like <laughs> no, I, you can't I, even I, name I, the I, character said I, said I like said i like shakespeare he said he was obligated to like shakespeare oh not that he actually right. likes him and i look i like some of the comedies more than the tragedies but whatever um <laughs> what's that called? Uh, nothing oh anyway Macbeth. oh okay sorry Macbeth from Macbeth. Go Mick, ahead. Mickey B. <laughs> right? Uh, no, uh, Justin Kurzel's Macbeth is, again, overly stylized. It is dark and foggy and has like weird orange colors going on and you know, blah, 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 so, color symbolism. Um, it's, it is bringing nothing to the Macbeth adaptation besides just like a lot of violence. And it, it seems that he's into, you know, violence is a big part of the true history of the Kelly gang. Violence is a big part of the, uh, Assassin's Creed movie that it turns out Kurzel also made. Mm. Uh, didn't know that. Also with Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Marion uh, Cotillard. Cotillard. Yeah. That movie's not good. I didn't even I'm remember sure. Cotillard was in it. Um, <laughs> yeah. anyway, not good. Did you think it would uh, be? Sorry. Did you think it would be? Well, but, when it was in production, Kurzel was coming off of Macbeth, and like his Snowtown murders received some some mild acclaim. Right, you know, it was oh. this out of nowhere Australian indie. But I didn't, I didn't ever see that though. I mean, that's the kind of thing. Anyway, like when he yeah. when uh when that movie was coming out, when Assassin's Creed was announced, and Kurzel was announced for it, and Fassbinder and Kotiar were coming back as. Uh, as the leads in it, I just remember being like, like vomiting in my mouth, just thinking like, <laughs> this is gross. This is like studios grabbing indie directors and turning them into shills for the yeah. studio mm. system, like Disney does or Marvel does constantly. Have you guys? Have you guys seen this Macbeth? No, he has. Oh, I have. Has. I have not. I, yeah. I own it, but I've never watched it. Yeah, when we did uh, Polanski's Macbeth, I watched like this one, Orson Welles's Macbeth, and I rewatched Throne of Blood. Um. Yeah. Like, I know I've I've ha- I've got a long history with Macbeth, so I was like, I might as yeah. well just deep dive into all these all these adaptations of it. 
I mean, am I am I off base saying that like there's just nothing really interesting about this one? Uh, aside from Patty Considine as uh, Banquo, I mean, yeah, that's there's nothing really legitimately interesting. And I mean, Crystal's- it is it is kind like it's vaguely interesting how like they open the movie with him with uh Macbeth and Lady Macbeth mourning the death of their child. Um, and then you get the scene with the witches and all that. Um, but I mean, I don't know, like it really doesn't come into play very, very much. I mean, like that was one of the interesting things about Throne of Blood. Like they, they took like the, uh, um, inheritance stuff and like kind of like put it in a you know, Japanese context where like, it doesn't have to be a direct bloodline, Mm -hmm. um, to inherit. Um, and you know, but you know, that plays into what's going on in throne of blood. It doesn't really play into what's going on in, uh, 1300 Scotland. So, yeah, uh, I, I couldn't stand Kersel's notes for all of his actors seem to be like, I want you to whisper more. And then I want you to yell really loud. Yeah. So like Sean, like what Sean Harris is doing is just like gross. It's just like oh, yeah. I'm, it's uh, I'm down here. I'm down here. I'm up here. That's the way uh, Sean Harris acts in every movie. Yeah, you're not wrong. Other other people are doing it. like Jack Rayner's doing that. David Thewlis isn't yelling. He doesn't really get to yell, but it's also it's just like a lot of whisper acting. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I'm not in. They want to be everybody to be brooding. Pretty much. Right? Yeah, and it, this is like. This does seem like some like macho violent guy's idea of like serious brooding style. Yeah, quiet and, uh, and strong. Yeah, and it, it, that's that's just tiresome. Mm. So, uh, Macbeth, not great. True nah. history of the Kelly Gang is better than Macbeth, uh, and Assassin's Creed is the best movie Curzel will ever make. Ouch! Sure, sure it is. No, that's not. It's no, the worst. Of course not. <laughs> Um, I will never watch Assassin's Creed, but I will watch Macbeth. In fact, I might watch it tonight. Sure. <laughs> oh. It's on uh, it's on Prime and I, Canopy. I, I have the Blu ray, so I'll probably okay. watch the oh, blue bud. Right. Yeah. I bought it blind <laughs> at uh at FYE used. It was uh, like five dollars or something. What a what a beautiful old place. I know, dude, I miss it so hard mm. every day. And now it's turned into some fucking seafood steak ranch restaurant yeah, or something. Yeah. Anyway. Really? Yeah, it's brutal. I hate it. I'm so mad. Uh, I watched. So I'll I'll wrap mine up with. Uh, I today I watched Silver Bullet, and this was a uh, Rustin, my <laughs> buddy, wanted to watch Silver Bullet. Uh, he had seen it before, and uh, he was telling me that uh, you know Gary Busey's a lot of fun in it. I and, forgot he was even in that. Yeah, he plays the uncle, Uncle Red, and oh. uh, this is from 1985. And it's based on the Stephen King book. And it's actually written by Stephen King, the screenplay. Mm. And uh, I'd say it's pretty god-awful overall. It's not Mm. a good movie, and it's not a good story. And Corey Haim is a terrible actor. Uh, The girl who plays his sister is okay. Her name's like Jane Follows or something. I don't know. Mm. And then uh, Gary Busey is indeed a lot of fun. He's the saving grace of the film. He is uh, <laughs> just a delight, in, especially in the early scenes when he's chugging wild turkey and playing cards with his 11-year-old nephew. And 
making dirty jokes and stuff and just like screaming. He's 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 out of control. But uh, he's terrific. The rest of the movie surrounding him is awful. Mm. Um, I did like the one scene. I know that Kevin is familiar with this. Uh, that uh, Everett McGill plays mm. the local pastor of the church, and he has a dream at one point where all the parishioners turn into werewolves. And I like that scene a lot. I could yeah. use more of that kind of shit. Right. And I thought the violence was decent, um, especially when he clubs uh, Terry O'Quinn over the head, and they use like a blood squib on his head, like explodes when he hits him with the baseball bat. I don't know if mm. you remember this in the no. barn. And it's pretty. It's pretty decent. Huh. But. Uh, yeah, overall, it's just kind of just like a nothing, uh, boring. Look like like sort of like a, it felt very episodic. Like it should have just been like a like an episode of a TV show or something. Right? Know? Yeah, yeah. It's just the way it resolves itself is really <laughs> boring, and and the the final fight it lasts for about three minutes. And oh right, the, yeah. a child kills the werewolf. I mean, I, I'm just it didn't do anything for me. And and just I I can't say enough bad things about. Just the absurdity of this child having a gas-powered engine attached to his wheelchair. Oh, that's right. It makes no sense. Like, who would do this? Why would his parents allow him to drive this around? It's just, it's so absurd. <laughs> it, it, it angered me. When he was first, when, when they first show him, you don't know he's uh, 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 paralyzed. Mm-hmm. And he's just talking to a buddy of his, and then in the next scene, he's driving around in this in this motorized wheelchair. And I was like, "This is ridiculous." I was like, and at first, I didn't even put it together. I was like, "Oh, he's not paralyzed. He's just joyriding in this goofy wheelchair that he has." But then, no, he's paralyzed, and this is his conveyance that his parents approve of. That he drives around town. I I I couldn't get I couldn't get past it. It was too much. Yeah, and then and then later in the film, Gary Busey builds him an even faster. Like a dirt bike engine, one that goes like eighty miles an hour down the road. Oh god! And he doesn't even wear a helmet. It's just, it's the worst. Jesus! It just makes no sense, and it's just terrible. And uh, it's all in service of you know them being able to have him in certain situations that he can get out of or can't get out of, depending. Right. It's a terrible film, and it's uh, just uh, by a by a and uh, you know I, I was talking to I have a student who was reading a uh, Stephen King book the other day in class. Mm-hmm. What fucking book was it? Uh, I can't remember. Anyways, this this girl was reading this book and I was like, "What are you reading?" And she said, "See what it was." And I was like, "Oh, Stephen King, huh?" And she's like, "Yeah." I was like, and I, I told her I was like, I said, uh, she was like, "He's so good. He's such a good writer." And I was like, and I, you know, I was messing with her a little bit. I said, you know, Stephen King is like, uh, he's like really great for people who don't know what great literature actually is. <laughs> and then, uh, and, then, uh, and then, I, then I confessed. I was like, I've never read any Stephen King books. So I don't, <laughs> I have no idea what good, how good of a writer he is. I mean, obviously he's, you know, very popular, uh, but, uh, it's stuff like this that makes me just completely like want to never read anything that he writes. Cause it's, this is just God awful. And it's you know it's like in the same vein as like Maximum Overdrive or something like that. But right, I, but then there's yeah. other things that he's done that I'm, that I find very interesting. Like Carrie is is a great film and the story is interesting and mm. uh, I re- I really enjoyed Christine. I don't know that how good the book would be necessarily, but the film was great for me and uh, The Shining obviously. But who knows? I've always been interested in The Stand. Yeah, The but. Stand is good. But again, that's like a you know two thousand page book or whatever. I'm not going to read that shit. It's a commitment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and other books I need to read. Uh, but anyways, yeah, uh, Silver Bullet is trash. Stay away. Mm. That's that's it for me. You know, I was thinking about rewatching that, but then by the by the end Look, by man, the end of that, I was like, eh, 
maybe. Look, don't let me stop you, okay? okay. But uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I can't say anything good about it except yeah. Gary Busey. He's a black. You can watch Gary Busey scenes on YouTube. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's fun. Okay. Well, I've got actually real quick. I'm sorry. This just reminded me of something. I, I was talking to Rustin about the film. And about Gary Busey, and like it's it's crazy. He's in this movie in 1985, and he's just such a goofy, like fun-loving, like this this character that he's playing is so Gary Busey. It's like mm. such a character you would imagine he would play. Such shades of his character from Point Break, you know. <laughs> and like two years later, he's cast in Lethal Weapon as Mr. Joshua, who's like this ominous, scary, intimidating hitman, you know, bodyguard guy. Mm. And I was just thinking, I was like, I was like, who's the genius casting director who thought to cast Gary Busey as Mr. Joshua? I, you see none of that in his past performances. Like in any performance I've seen before Lethal Weapon, he is nothing like that character. I would never in a million years put him in that spot. But he, he pulls it off. I mean, he's a good actor, you know, yeah, or he yeah. was in the day. Uh, and it's just, I thought that was really interesting. It's like two years later, he's he loses. He, for one thing, he's he's got like a gut in, in Silver Bullet and he loses mm. the weight. And he gets in shape, and he's scary in Lethal Weapon. You know? mm, yeah. And then he's fat again in uh, Point Break. And goofy again, you know? So I don't <laughs> yeah. know what he's doing. But yeah. He's had know. a little De Niro phase there for a minute where he's losing yeah, and gaining yeah. weight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway. Utah, give me two. Give me two. Mm-hmm. I love that scene. Classic. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So I'll just barrel through a couple here. Uh, so... Since last time I watched Adam's Family, watched Adam's Family Values, good, entertaining, and finally got around to rewatching Sleepy Hollow because <sighs> I've been meaning to watch it again like for a long time, and it's okay. Um, I think it's I think it's decent for what it is. Um, I think it, I think it gets a little bit well. I was going to say it gets a little bit over the top with all of the blood, but then I know, like, you know, like, Tim Burton was, like, looking at, like, Hammer horror films, so it's like, well, it's supposed to be like that. I love the blood. I love the, mm. like, the orangish, you know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. that 70s goopy. Like when, like, when he's, like, chopping chopping at the tree, and yeah. it's, like, spattering him with it's blood, insane. and then all the heads, all the heads fall I didn't out. understand it when I saw it the first time. Like, I didn't, mm. I was, like, I remember being upset that the blood was that color and things like oh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. yeah, now you look back on it, it's, like, so obvious that it's an homage to these other yeah. films that he's interested in. Yeah. And I thought Johnny Depp was really, really good, and it's, um... Uh, Christina Ricci is really good. Uh, Roger. It's one of uh, one of the last films for uh, the guy who turned out to be a pedophile. What's his name? Oh, Jeffrey Jones. Yeah, <laughs> Jeffrey yeah. Jones. Who? I mean, he's not in it as you know. He's not in it very much. Right. Um, oh, you know who's terrible in it? Casper Van Dien. Right? He's terrible. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, granted, you know, like. He doesn't really have a whole lot to work with. Braun's not in the movie that much, and and you know he does what's he does what's asked of him. Sure. I guess. I mean, it was just a ma- I, um, it was really just a matter of him coming off of Starship Troopers. Oh yeah, yeah. And you can't get away from like how bad his performance, intentionally bad, I think his performance is in Starship Troopers. Mm. Uh, you know, in the same way that you know the the performances are over the top and goofy and showgirls like Verhoeven was obviously trying to do something, right? But Casper Van Dien just like really fucked himself by like he's not good in that movie. Yeah, and I, it, whatever talent he did have, it doesn't doesn't seem to rub off on any of his other performances. So, yeah, unfortunately. Let's see what else did I watch? 
Hessian. I like Chris Walken as the Hessian warrior. Oh yeah, even though like, like I think he you see his face for like four seconds, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, you see it a, a little bit longer because you know he shush he shushes the girl when he's about when he's about to be killed, but the rest of it's ah ah. Right, he doesn't ever yeah. have any lines. Yeah, he doesn't have any lines. Um, let's see. And so I I watched Prisoners for the first time. Never seen Prisoners. No, um, like so weird. I I well, it's just one one that I hadn't gotten around to. Um, yeah, what'd you think? Uh, I thought it was I thought it was really good. Like I I really liked uh like Hugh Jackman is a is a great actor. How good when he, is when he, he really when he's really like turning his hand to it, dude. Like, when, when he when he confronts Dano outside the jail, yeah, and he's asking him where his daughter is, right? Like he's so good. Like that gets me every time. Yeah, and like. I mean, it would have. I think it would have been like Dano's a good actor too, but like there's really not much much yeah, for him to yeah, do. He's but idea. uh, but I like Jake Gyllenhaal a lot. Um, I think like like the the length of the movie probably like took it down a little bit for me because mm-hmm. like it's, I think it kind of strings out the suspense a little too, a little too much. But I think that's more of a screen screenplay. I think issue. there's I think there's too much plot in it personally. I mean yeah. that's always the issue I had with it. It's just there's too much of this like the like them kidnapping the uh Dano's character and all the torture stuff and all that stuff. Yeah, I was like yeah. I, I feel like they could have been d- done better, maybe like less involved. Like we didn't need to see everything necessarily that was happening there and uh, Yeah. And you know. and I and Gyllenhaal's another one is the performances that I I didn't get when I saw it the first time. Like I was just mm. I just did not understand what he was doing, like all of his weird blinking and stuff that he does. Yeah, yeah. But uh but yeah, I watch it now and I, I, I'm really impressed by some of some of uh some of the choices that he makes. So. Yeah, like I think the for me, the weakest link in the movie is uh, Terrence Howard, mm-hmm. and like that's that was a thing where like, um, I mean, yeah, to to everybody has their own taste, but like when people were like so up in arms that uh, he wasn't gonna be in the, the Don uh, Cheadle replaced him, yeah, that Don Cheadle, I'm like. Don Have y'all way seen Swordfish? Like Don Cheadle's a way better actor. <laughs> Don Ch- Swordfish. <laughs> oh no, that's the film you go to. I remember loving it, man. Swordfish. I haven't seen I haven't seen it in forever, but I remember loving him in that. Jr. Have you seen Swordfish? Of course not. Of course. No. <laughs> what do you mean? Of course I, not. It's it's actually like totally a movie that I normally would have seen. I don't know why I haven't seen it. I remember I saw it's a Joel Silver produced movie. How have you not seen the this? La- one of the last ones, I think. Really? Yeah. He died. Um, I remember I saw it. I saw it in the theater with my dad, and my dad uh-huh. hates seeing movies in the theater. And he oh. he fell asleep in the first like minute or two of it <laughs> yeah, when yeah, Travolta's yeah. doing the whole Dog Day Afternoon speech, right? And uh, and then when that explosion happens at the beginning and those ball bearings going, it's like the three D Matrix shot yeah, all around yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. He woke up and he was like wide awake for the whole rest of the movie. He loved wow, it. He's nice. like blown away by it. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I mean, I liked it a lot when it came out. Yeah, I, yeah, I know yeah. that I, it would be terrible now. I know Probably. that it would be terrible. Yeah, yeah. And I know that if Jr. watched it, he would give it like a one. And he would, and I know exactly what he would say about it. it would all be about Travolta's performance <laughs> and the ear, and the earring that uh, Hugh Jackman has. And uh, you know, you, I have a deep appreciation for plenty of trash. <laughs> this is like, yeah, but I mean, I'm. I, I was going to say man. like Swordfish would probably be like. 
the you one think, you'd expect him to hate, and then he's and he like, love it. and it's he's like, a lot of fun. <laughs> and he's like, no, this is a four. Yeah, easy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should uh, you should uh, pick it as a deep dive one one of these days. I should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I also watched uh, rewatched a Knight's Tale, which I've been meaning to rewatch forever, and it's a, it's a good movie. I had a lot of fun. Brian Helgeland. Yes, and is that a, is that another movie I'm supposed to hate? A Knight's Tale. Do you like that movie? Yes, I do. I hate it. I didn't hate it. I didn't like it though. I didn't love it. I don't I mean, know what I gave it. I might give it like a three or something, but I didn't like it very much. I mean, like so, I love Shannon Sossaman though. When she when she bites her lip, like I oof, just melt oof. every single time. She is the one. <laughs> she is, yeah. Uh, and and I, Paul I, Bettany's in it, right? Paul Bettany, he's, he's, he's really good in it. Rufus Sewell's not very good yeah, as as the villain. He's hit and miss. Yeah. But I really like Heath Ledger is really great. Like you know, people you know we can talk all we want about the Joker and whatever. But like Knight's Tale, he's really good. I'm a big, uh, I'm a big Mark Addy fan. Mark uh, Addy was really good he too. Had, he had a, that was uh, before his uh, sitcom yeah, before, on CBS that he had, and before Game of Thrones. Oh, was that was he, before was he a sitcom. Yep. Yeah, I believe so. Was he on Game of Thrones? Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was uh, King, King Robert Baratheon. Are you guys like I know I know uh, Kevin's a Game of Thrones fan. Are you a Game of Thrones guy, Jr? Uh, I mean, I don't know how to answer that question. The, I have seen every episode of that series. I enjoyed a lot of that series, and I have mm. read every uh, book. Okay, the you are again. Uh, the answer is yes. Then you are again. Oh, I've read. I've, I've read every like main book. I haven't read like the extra shit. Like that's yeah, insane. That's more. That's more than I was expecting you. I was expecting you to say like I saw the first season and liked it. I don't know if you'd no. call that a fan. Want you've it? seen everything. You like it all. You've read all the books. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a fan or not. Well, here's well, here's the thing. I've got, I've got issues. With spent three years of my life dedicated seasons. to it, but I don't know. <laughs> well, like I feel like Jr. and I are probably like very much in agreement on this. Like we've seen it all. We've read it all. Doesn't mean we've liked every single part of it. Yeah, but you liked it enough and, to continue no. with it. Well, yes. even even that, it's like there's enough there to like. Okay, well, let me just get through it. Like, I'll be honest. Well, okay, I've not. I've saw the first. I watched the first two episodes of uh, Game of Thrones when they mm-hmm. aired. Actually, I think I watched the first one when it aired, and then I gave up on it for a while and then came back for the second one. But uh, mm-hmm. I was uh, not super into it, and then as it progressed, I've, I watched parts of it here and there on uh, on on you know different articles you read about it. They have clips and, uh, and yeah, videos yeah. on YouTube and things like this. And it's just it does absolutely nothing for me, and I I just do not get it at all. I mean, I I understand it from the perspective, like I, I as I understand it, it's like it's it's very political, and there's mm. a lot of characters. It's a very like dense show, uh, yeah. plot wise and everything. And I feel like it would be something I would really get into, but I don't know, there's just something that's really pulling me back from it hard. See, I can definitely like. Somehow, I ended up being sort of a season eight like apologist because, like you know, like like after after season eight ended, like the entire internet was just consumed is by. That, is that the last season? Yeah, it's okay. the last season, and yeah, like the entire internet was consumed by how awful it was, how yeah. much of a letdown it was, and I'm like, hold up, y'all need to gain some perspective, like. Personally, I really didn't think it was that bad. I mean, a show like this, you're never going to please everybody with the ending. And most of the things that people expected, like, y'all should have known not to expect certain things from this show. 
whether you read the books or whether you just watch the series. So it's like, really, it's a really so, funny idea. Be like, Hey internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it reminds me of, um, I mean, it's the same thing with any, any show. I mean, any show that's popular has a big issue when it wants to end. Of course. And, uh, the same thing happened with Sopranos. Sopranos ended, and it was extremely controversial the way mm-hmm. they chose to end it. And uh, there, I just recently they had a uh, like I listened to Stern, you know, and mm. he had this massive just out of nowhere. I don't even know why, but they had this huge debate on the show recently about the ending of the Sopranos again because mm. they had had the debate when it ended back in '07, right? And uh, they're like split on it. Like half the sh- half the show like loved the way that it ended, and then like Stern for one, and like all mm. the main people, they all hate it. They're like, "This is the fucking worst. I want to know what happened. I don't understand what ah, bullshit." Because they don't like art, you know. They don't they don't like anything to yeah, be ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. They don't understand why that is, you know. This is a fucking <laughs> show. I want to know how the show ended. <laughs> and uh, and it's just like it's. I feel like it's the same thing. It's just like you know. I mean, I I don't know anything about the end of Game of Thrones, but. It's, it feels like it feels like if you do it like if it, like David Chase is a very like he he even said in the interview he was like the more fans complained about how esoteric Sopranos was getting the more I wanted to make it esoteric like I wanted to make it even stranger mm. you know and I, I appreciate I that. that I applaud that yeah actually <laughs> I think with some time that people will probably lighten up on the ending of Game of Thrones mm. just because you know with the like expectations they there's just a lot of weight there, but I don't think it's going to enjoy like the critical renaissance that the Sopranos finale did just because Mm. no matter how you look at it, like the game of Thrones ending is like, it's rushed in the sense that like, it's not nearly as detail oriented as the first like five seasons are. Mm. So like the way that the show speeds up, I I don't think no one's ever going to look at those last seasons and be like, that was as brilliant as the rest because it just wasn't built to be as brilliant. It was built to pay off a lot of stuff that had been built up. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing about, I mean, yeah, just again, comparing it to Sopranos is that, I mean, one of the big complaints is that they don't tie up loose ends. Like there's a lot of loose ends, uh, storylines that were started that never go anywhere. And, right. uh, but I mean, it's, I mean, they're just like, they're little tiny things, you know, they're not like, they're not main plot points, so. Yeah, well, like, um, an- another, like, uh, the guy who wrote, like, my two all-time favorite books, uh, Patrick Rothfuss, uh, he was talking about how, like, you know, in real life, does everything get wrapped up in a neat, in a neat, tidy little way? Like, no, that's not, hey, that's not how life is. Kevin, I'm gonna have to cut you off here. Uh-oh. Is he having this conversation because... <laughs> People were like, hey, why don't you tie up your book series by writing another book? <laughs> you guys are on another I, plane for me. Who is who is this guy? What did he write? Uh, he wrote The Name of the Wind and The Wise Man's Fear. Okay. And they are like, I like I just I reread them last year, which like I don't reread books because, you know, that's such a time commitment. And those are but, long books. And yeah, they're they're fairly long. But I enjoyed them just as much, if not more, the second go-around. And I got so much more from them the second go-around. Like, so, so, yeah, like, that just cements them as, for now, like, my favorite books until something else comes along and blows me away. But, I also um, really like those. I like them a lot. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like, I mean, it's the same sort of thing where, like, I think he, I think he was talking about, like, book three, which, you know, it's been, like, nine years. 
Um, it takes a while to write a book, man. Well, well he's 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 on like George R. R. Martin level. Yeah, like the the last the last Game of Thrones book came out in 2011 as well, and like I remember seeing a teaser chapter from the next book back in like 2014. So the fact that like you know they're probably done. He's probably just sitting on them. Probably. I mean, well, and think they're good enough, you know. Yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think the last one was all that great in the first place. I mean, I don't know. I I, 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 don't know. I immediately want to like want to want to like bash Martin for some reason. I just feel like he like I watch interviews with George R. R. Martin. And I'm just like this guy is a great writer. Like I, he just does not strike me. He strikes me as like a fucking D and D dungeon master who writes fantasy on the side, and it happened <laughs> to be popular. He's he strikes me as like Stieg Larsson, you know, like the guy who wrote the the girl with the dragon tattoo series and like it's just like some fucking hobby that he has while he's an office worker and then he dies and his books get famous because his wife publishes them you know right i mean i don't know it's just i i don't never read the books you know so i can't say i don't know i mean he I, might be I, a brilliant writer for all of them. <laughs> we've i'd say he's yeah. decent i wouldn't say brilliant that's fair. I, I think there are things about his writing that are very good we are mm. in a very deep hole <laughs> yeah <laughs> The show is officially about Game of Thrones now. Apparently, no. Yeah. I'm sorry. I I don't. I just brought that up. I don't know why he was talking about a Knight's Tale. Is that the? Is that your last <laughs> film? Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. So we can we can we can jump into our deep dive now. Yeah. That's. Uh, we'll save all this other stuff for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do a we'll do a show where you guys force me to watch Game of Thrones and we'll talk about it and I can shit all over it then. Uh. So uh. This week's pick was uh was my pick, and I chose a film called Hungry Hearts. Which is uh, again directed by Severio Costanzo and stars Adam Driver and uh, Alba Rorvac. Rorvac. How do you say it? Rorvacher. Rorvacher. Yeah, yeah. She's Italian and uh, Italian and German. I guess I read. And uh, yeah, uh, this is a film that I watched a while ago, maybe right after it first came out, so like twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen, and uh, liked a lot when I first saw it, and. Uh, was a big all you know have been a big fan of Adam Driver ever since he was on uh, ever since I first saw him on Girls you know actually the first time I saw him on Girls I remember being like a little conflicted I was like this guy is like weird like he looks weird and yeah yeah I don't know if I get this character but he really grows on you on that show so uh, yeah what did uh, what did you guys think of uh, oh this is a movie about uh, uh, parenting it's about two people who mm. meet and they have a child and it's at its core it's about the differences between parenting styles and how you deal with that when you're uh, together and have to raise a child together. And, uh, but of course it is taking that to a very extreme level. So Mm. what did you guys think of hungry hearts? Well, as I, as I texted you guys yesterday, I was like, this is like, this is really fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a, it is a tough sit. And I remember you like presented this when you chose it. I can't remember if it was on the podcast or off air. You were like interested in how I would react because I, you know, I'd be a, a, a new parent soon. Right. And I was mm. like, not, not well, I'm not reacting well. To this <laughs> yeah. At <sorry>. all. <laughs> I was like the, this, like I, I didn't know to be afraid of like how I, or how my wife could like go off of a, an emotional deep end. And, end up like starving my child because I'm 
I am so convinced that I am right and I know what's best for my child. And that includes like depriving it of the world. I, I did not care for this, uh, like train of thought that it led me down at mm. all. Um, and that's not to say the movie was bad. I don't think the movie was bad. Um, I think parts of it are quite good. I really liked Adam driver. Mm. I, uh, I thought, um, cause oh shit. Costanzo. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I thought Costanzo, uh, I don't know. I don't really understand a lot of the choices he made visually. I agree. Um, mm. But it is it is a weirdly like powerful idea for a movie. And I, I've got a lot of issues. i got issues with where the story goes, too. But at, at its core, like this, this conflict that takes out the majority of this movie was um, yeah, powerful, unsettling. Mm. yeah i didn't uh i mean i so i'd I'd seen this before i had a child and uh and i mean watching it after i have uh a daughter and i mean it did there are parts of it that were very upsetting uh but it wasn't the parts that i thought there would be it was more like the it was was, a lot of it was just like the powerlessness of of driver's character like in, Mm. in this like his frustration and um especially towards the latter part of the film when, when he, the child's taken from him again, you know, and he's accused of hitting her and everything. And I was just like, that's just so, that's such a fucked situation. Like, and, and when he says like, so there's nothing I can do. And, mm. and it's just like, you know, it's just like, I just felt so bad for him. You know, I was like, this is a rough, rough, rough situation that you just stuck in. And it's just this, you're, it's like a pit that you've dug yourself into or that you've been thrown into and you can't get out, you know? And, what are you supposed to do? And now your child, you're going to have to wait for your child to die because you know, that's what's going to happen. And, uh, it was really, uh, absolutely terrible. And I agree with you that, uh, Costanzo. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think the movie's particularly well directed. Uh, I think that his choice to like switch to wide angle lenses randomly for parts of it, I think I, I get that he's I get what I think I understand that he's trying to go for something like he's trying to I say thought that, it was like a, a cramped space kind of thing. Well, I think like to for sure it, it starts to make uh what's her name? What's the wife's name? Does remember. she have a name? She has a name. They say they're both their names at the beginning of the film. His okay. name is Jude and her yeah, name Jude. is something. Well, it definitely make like so it's in the movie like She's like she like even like before like they get married and and have have their child like she has she obviously has some issues and like uh you know oh, it's like Mina like, right Mina yeah Mina and uh yeah so like she's she's already not eating and like yeah. when she gets pregnant it gets worse and you know it just kind of spirals out of control because I I guess like. I don't know if it's like it, just what she has already, or if it's like postpartum just hits her like a ton of bricks. Well, it also, I mean, a lot of it seems to do with the uh, the visit to the psychic that she has, you know, where she finds out that oh, yeah, her child's yeah, yeah. an indigo, quote unquote, child, and that right, yeah. She so she's obviously superstitious, you know. Yeah, and that's not a good thing, and uh, that's just contributing and exacerbating the issues that she's already having. But uh, that you know, the whole thing. Her uh, super, like, aggressive, you know, anti-the-outside, anti-processed foods, anti, you mm. know, like, we got to 
purify his body and keep healthy and all this stuff. It seems to conflict like super greatly with the their choice of living. Like why why do they live in New York City? You know what I mean? Like why yeah. would, wouldn't she like want to live like out in the country or something? Like honestly, where uh, her mother in law ends up living? <laughs> yeah, and it's just like it just makes no sense to me why her. I mean, obviously she's disturbed. Mm. Uh, so she's not thinking clearly, but it's just well, like it, such a bizarre choice to say, let's live in this cramped apartment in New York city, the dirtiest city on the planet. And right. you know, like the most cramped city in the planet, there's people everywhere. And let's try to raise this child mm. super healthy and be, you know what I mean? Like pure and all this shit. There's probably some, some like thing to do with like a, a nest in that. Like we've already kind of built this nest. It right. is the place where we're already comfortable I don't know. Yeah. Like the idea yeah. of changing anything became like a real issue. That's so true. I, th- I think the idea of, of moving, like we're packing up, we're ruining our space to move. And then we're like spending hours to get out of the city somewhere. I, that probably is a mental block, even though I think you're right. That is very contradictory. Yeah. I don't, I'm trying to rationalize yeah. a, an irrational thing. Yeah. And I think like, well, like, Going back to the lenses real quick, like, like, at at certain points, like, uh, like she just looks super, super thin because of the lens that he's using. So I think like that's that's why. It, um, one of one of my only notes that I wrote, just kind of going off what you said, Kevin, like, uh, and this was even before he started going with the crazy lenses. Um, driver just looks. He, he's just he's like a hulking presence in this movie he is he looks so large <laughs> he is he large. Yeah, yeah. like the courtship in the bathroom like the meat cute mm, thing yeah that I, I didn't look up what this movie was about i seriously thought i was about to see like a fucking romantic comedy um <laughs> ch- uh changes swiftly but um mm. it's like and, and then with the wide angle lenses where like she looks small uh, mm. they just make driver look even fucking bigger and i don't i i i couldn't really like latch on to like a reason why he makes he frames driver as so large all the time except to make her look small but he I mean, he looks massive i know driver's a big guy yeah he's like mm. six five right and he's muscular i mean i don't i, I yeah, yeah I, I don't yeah i don't know i i'm not i mean i'm not saying you're wrong about that i didn't i didn't necessarily notice that he's being framed as being large but i mean he is he's obviously like way bigger than she is she's a tiny person yeah but um but yeah i mean I I was I was I like the the opening scene, you know. I was I was kind of uh <laughs> the first time I watched it I remember just thinking like this is such a weird like way to have your characters meet and fall in love. Right. But I thought it really worked. It was like it kind of shows because it, it disarms you. It makes you think that they're both just like these normal kind of uh people and uh mm. she certainly seems fine in, the, in that first scene, you know. Yeah. Even I mean she the way she reacts even is like she's you know, she starts laughing and everything. She's like totally fine about the fact that he's taking this huge dump in the toilet. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, yeah, apparently he's having like mondo diarrhea or, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> I thought I mean, it was great. I yeah. I, th- I feel like looking looking back i feel like you get like the first hint of trouble when she's like she's about to leave because of her job and he like impregnates her <laughs> did i mean don't don't I, you guys I, get that did that like well, I, I, I never noticed that before absolutely. but he, See, he, he thought, fucks her and impregnates her to get her to stay right i mean like, i thought that was going to play there. i thought that was going to play a bigger role like like she was like that was there was 
I thought there was going to be more uh, back and forth between the two of them, aside Uh from, you know, like, it really focuses on just the one issue, like, of the kid not being fed, and, like, you know, that that ramps up into his overall concern for the the kid's health, but, like, you know, at, at at no time does she, like, lay any sort of guilt on him, like, you know, I stayed for you, you know, I stayed for our child, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, with like like that very easily could have been a big bigger part of the movie. Yeah, yeah that's fair. But because, at the but at the same time, that might have been a little too Kramer versus Kramer. Well, you know, I sorry. I kept thinking like because well, actually, not kept thinking. I thought later because the like you know unwanted impregnation in that scene, and because you know like we do have a tonal change after the, the meet cute. It like, I think this movie could have been just as good, maybe a little bit better if it had started with the wedding with like no other context, just like cut off the first 15 minutes, just like, cause at the wedding you just see like a young couple in love and then it gets weird. I don't think, I don't think like the impregnated her to stay, it plays enough of a part to keep it in there. It's almost like a, like a, it's like a, a misuse of like a Chekhov's gun. Like I, mm. I see this, this should play a part later. And it just, so I don't know, just cut out that intro, even though I like the intro, cut off all that stuff. Just start with the weird, uh, you know, eighties needle drop and, uh, <laughs> and let's, and let's keep it weird. Yeah. Cause the wedding also weird. Uh, Adam driver's mom at one point is like, she does like this really fucking weird line reading or she's talking to, to Mina, like, look, I don't know anything about human pregnancies. Oh, right. Very, yeah, yeah, very yeah. Very long pause. Now, is this an alien pregnancy? I don't know what genre I'm watching still. <laughs> um, and it's just... I thought his, is, his, uh, the, the actress who plays his mother is questionable. Like, they're, like yeah. even later on in the film, like some of the choices she makes are really strange. Yeah, agreed. I thought the... Uh, and I, I, I kind of... I agree with you that... Uh, you could start at the wedding uh, for multiple reasons. Like for 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 one thing, you'd shave off fifteen minutes of the movie, and that's not a bad thing. I think that would be good. And uh, I mean, you can always make a movie shorter. You know, and this movie's like an hour and fifty minutes. It could be shorter. Mm. And uh, also, this the I like I like when he sings the song to her because the the words yeah. in the song are like foreshadowing sort of the events of the film. Like he's saying right. how she's she's great, she's beautiful, she's smart, she's funny, but she's also crazy and insane and she causes him trouble sometimes, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought that was kind of uh, an interesting way to foreshadow. And I like the idea of him singing in Italian yeah. to her. And I thought he did that really well. Yeah, it's and it reminded me of a marriage story when he sings a song at the end of marriage story. Ah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, shades of... Like uh, shades of... Yeah, sure, maybe he wants to sing in every movie he's in. Right, right. Uh, Shades of Rosemary's Baby, obviously. Oh, for uh, sure. Yeah, you know, just the New York setting and the uh, the pregnancy being yeah. this uh, kind of dividing. Yeah, line even kind of her haircut. It's like like her hair is longer than Mia Farrow's, but like the way she wears it. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's shot and it's shot. Uh, the one the one thing I did like about the the direction, well, not really the direction, but the production of the film is that it's shot on sixteen. I thought it, I I mm. like the look of it. I just think some of the choices of the camera movements and lens choices are weird, but yeah, that was one of the things that I wasn't crazy about in the movie. Like it, like there are, there are so many shots where like, especially like the opening, um, 
you know, it's I feel like it's very in indie film to just like, okay, we're just gonna set the camera here, and there's gonna be and there's gonna be a lot of dialogue and the the fade the fade in and out from uh, each episode that happens in the I don't, film. I don't I don't mind that. It's uh, it's just that I like it. I would like that the first time it happened, but I agree it happens like three different times, and I'm just yeah, like, yeah, 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 you should figure out a different way to cut between scenes, man. Yeah, but um. But I liked it the first time it happened, just to fade to black and then mm. cut back into the next scene. Uh, I also also was reminded of uh, another movie we talked about on the show. I think before Jr. was on it, but uh, the, the movie Bug. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, just the idea of this 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 couple, uh, and the paranoia that one of them has, and it kind of affecting the other one. Although in Bug, mm. it affects the other one by the other one becoming paranoid with the uh, the original. But in this one, it's obviously you know he's against that. But um, yeah. I was just reminded of it. They're both you know have issues. Uh, also, I had an issue with the with the idea that the the baby is hungry all the time. And I know that this is probably just a logistical thing. Like they can't, they probably just don't want to make the baby crying nonstop. But like if a baby's hungry, it's gonna cry. Mm-hmm. You know, like especially like a seven month old. Like yeah. if she's really starving this kid. This kid is going to be whining. Like this kid is going to be a nightmare. Yeah, he, and and or, the kid or, has like or a like, fever for like two yeah, weeks, or like overly lethargic, you know, like or mm. something like that. But this kid just looks normal to me. He looks fine. Yeah. Like he's happy. He's playing with his toys and shit. You know, yeah, and I'm just like yeah. that's it. It takes me out a little bit of it, but you know, it's not that big. It's like again, it's like what are you going to do? Like prick the kid every time he every scene he's going to be crying. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. It, I don't know if that would have made it worse. It would have made it uh, a much even like, even harder sit. Yeah, like, exactly. To have, oh yeah, yeah. To have like the the issue at hand, the yeah. lenses that kind of make it ugly and feel claustrophobic, right. and then also have a constantly crying baby. <laughs> yeah, nightmare. It, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it would have been like a nightmare. Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, that's mm. bad. Uh, a nightmare indeed. Yeah, like at that at that point, I think it would have like gone like yeah, definitely like too far because like there's a certain level of discomfort that you can that you can deal with and like, okay, I appreciate it because of how uncomfortable it's making me. But then if it goes too far, it's like, nah, fuck this. This is too much. The, I like the idea of the, like just having experienced this to a, to a very, very, very minor degree. But this idea of like mistrust between parents, like you don't know, like, it's sort of like what Jr. was saying, like how it brought him through this, this, uh, uh, series of thoughts in his head about, you know, what what your what your life is going to be like once you have a child and how you're mm. you're going to have to worry about what your co-parent thinks about raising the child versus what you think is right about raising the child and um i mean like i said never really didn't go through anything like this necessarily but i mean it's definitely been like before before my wife got pregnant we talked about you know like how to discipline children and things like that you know and like mm. how we were raised we were you know we were hit like we were spanked with belts and things and stuff like this mm. and i i was i'm I'm a very firm like anti that like i would never do that i would never hit my kid with a belt or hit her at all really and mm. she's she's sort of like in the middle ground of that like she's like well you know i don't i don't have a problem smacking her hand or smacking her butt or something if something she's doing is you know not right like it teaches her and uh, and I've just had such a bad experience with that, you know. So that was like a real like conflict for a second, you know. We had to talk our way through it, but I, I saw. I feel like the this is again just like taking that to such an extreme level. But it's an interesting way to examine that kind of that relationship that exists because you don't really see that in movies a lot, like parents kind of going at it about how to raise their kids, you know. Mm, yeah, 
I thought that was interesting. It's really real. I also wrote that this is the anti Adopt a Highway. So Adopt a Highway is the film from last year with uh oh. with uh Ethan Hawke. He finds a baby in the dumpster and he raises it. Mm. And uh it's just a really sweet, beautiful, touching film about this man's unconditional love for this baby and mm. this is like <laughs> this is like the exact this baby feel the exact opposite, you know? Like it was not touching, it was just angering and frustrating and also dealing with a baby (laughs) yeah i mean yeah i i well i mean changing diapers but you know that that's not actually dealing with a baby baby but yeah i have like again like limited experience with you know like you know certain stuff comes up and like what do you do and like sure uh you know because like my girlfriend has two boys and they're twins. So they're, you know, like they just turned four and, you know, like certain things they get, but certain things it's, you know, taking them a while because they're kids. And like, you know, like, like when you're, when you're, when you're trying to like calmly explain like why you're doing something with them and like they, you know, you know, I don't want you to do this because this could happen. And they like, but it didn't happen. Oh, right. I know it didn't happen, but it could happen. Sure. Because, like, you know, as an adult, you're just going, you're just they have trouble blowing f- through all the scenarios. Yeah, of they, like, they don't think in terms like that. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, yeah. Even, I mean, even, that's not even a, I mean, I wouldn't even necessarily say that's a, that stops at that age, probably. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. have students that I've taught who, who have, I have the same discussions with. I'm like. You don't want to do that because then this could happen. They're like, yeah, but it never happened to me, so why would I do it? You know, right, I was like, right. well, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> things change. I don't know if yeah. that's an adult thing. I think that's just like a human I thing. Mean, <laughs> we're, we're dealing yeah. with a lot of that right now. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the cop who uh, who comes to uh, now I'm just running through my notes. So the cop oh. who who is at uh, who comes to take the kid away uh, mm. towards the end the the African American gentleman he's uh, he's on King of Queens he plays. Uh, Kevin James's best friend Deacon. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just a little tidbit there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I also the last movie that I was reminded of, and it was at the very end. I thought of it was uh, the documentary Dear Zachary. Have you seen this, Kevin? Mm-hmm. Have you seen this, Jr. Uh, Dear Zachary? Yeah, that's also like. It's a hard watch. Too. Damn. Yeah, uh, but it just reminded me. I was like, I was like, it seems like the mother in this, uh, Mina. She seems like that person who would do those things who would harm like legitimately harm her son and then kill herself you know what i mean like Mm. uh whatever they call that infanticide you know and uh yeah the baby doesn't have a name i don't know why exactly but they just never name the kid they just call it the baby and he calls it his son constantly Mm. i i wrote that the mother needs to open her flu in her fireplace because the whole oh, room yeah, is full yeah. of smoke. Yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> like, I was just like, "This lady, what is she doing? Yeah, she's gonna kill her, kill her grandchild, but with asphyxiation. Yeah, you know? CO2 poisoning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, and then I wrote down. Okay, so just speaking of driver, right? So like, mm. I was thinking about this. Is Driver the greatest actor of his generation? I mean, like, who who is who is another actor that is, you know, thirty ish? Who is as good as Driver is? He's so good. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have a bad performance that I've seen. I mean, I haven't seen The Dead Don't Die, but 
<laughs> I, I, feel I, like I even in that, he's just it's a comedic performance, yeah. probably, right? So yeah, I mean, it's it's really like his performance in that is like super super dry, but it's right. a Jarmusch film, so yeah, you expect yeah, yeah. that. He's good in Patterson, though. You know what I mean? Everyone's like, giving yeah. the same performance in the Dead Don't Die, <laughs> right, yeah, right. except for Tilda Swinton. But <laughs> that's, yeah, again, right. that's Tilda Swinton. But it's like he's. I mean, he's. But yeah, I, th- I really think you're, terrific. You're, prob- you're probably right. I mean, I can't think of honestly. I can't. I'm having trouble thinking of other actors who are his age, who are from his generation. Like yeah. and Andrew Garfield is probably sure. One. Okay, yeah, sure. And yeah. I, 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 I like Should Andrew Garfield. Good? Yeah. I mean, I I I don't know that I've seen a ton of stuff with him in it, but I've seen a few films. So I, I mean, he he's, he impressed the shit out of me with silence. So it's like, yeah, he's you know. great. He's good in that. He's obviously like, uh, you know, really great in the social network. And uh, I need to see that again. And uh, you know, I'm trying to think of other films that Andrew Garfield. He's in the he's in the fucking Mel Gibson movie, which is awful. Um, oh, oh right, that movie was terrible. Heartbreak Ridge. Oh right, yeah. Or is that called and Heartbreak Ridge? Uh, Driver doesn't have anything Wait, offensive. Like I think that. Heartbreak Ridge is isn't that a that's the Clint Eastwood movie? movie? What's, yeah. What is this movie called? What's the movie called? Down? I don't know. Uh, it's but not Hamburger is, Hill. I know that. No, no. It was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, it was awful. Driver. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Driver doesn't have any performances like that. Like any ones that are hammy or uh, mm. he just seems to make the right choices. It seems like. Oh, I. You know what? Maybe his worst performance that I've seen. Not that again. Not awful. Yeah. But um, might be Don Quixote. Oh, see, so yeah, oh, I, I, have, I right. haven't seen that, so I don't know. That well, I don't know. Like, I, I, I like Adam Driver a lot in that movie. The problem, the problem is not Adam Driver; it's Terry Gilliam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gilliam is the is the reason I, that that is a two every day of the week, <laughs> twice on Sunday. I like, yeah, I definitely liked it more than you, but I, uh, I. I don't know. Yeah, like when when, just, when I he, got through with it in the theater, I was just so done. I was like, "Fuck this! This is ridiculous." He's. Uh, I mean, no. he's even good in like. I mean, like even his big like his you know his work in the Star Wars films. I think he's yeah, probably the yeah. best performance in those films. You know, for sure. Uh, and like the five minutes that he's in uh, Francis Ha. Yeah, he's great in Francis. I mean, and uh, same thing with uh, Inside Lewin Davis. He's in oh yeah, for, like, that's right. A minute, he's great in that. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. You know. I don't know. I just yeah. I was thinking about. I was just like, no, there's no other actor who I can think of who I admire the work of nearly as much as as him, mm. uh, who's working right now. And uh, yeah, he's just a great. He's terrific. Yeah, it's fearless. This, this is a weird movie to be a part of. You know, like this is a weird. Right, it's right. a weird. I mean, I can see what attracts an actor to a role like this, mm. but it's just such an unusual movie. You know, yeah, an yeah. unusual story. Um. But yeah, I you know, I enjoyed the film. I don't think any of us have said whether or not we liked it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I I mean, yeah. I, I mean, enjoy might be the wrong word. I think it's a good film. Like I'm gonna yeah, give it like, a positive what, score. It's like what did what did uh was it Schufrider who said about the Turin horse? Oh yeah, Schufrider. Yeah, my 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 philosophy professor said uh, I asked him if he liked the Turin horse, and he said I, I don't know if it's I don't know if I'd say I liked it. It's not a movie you like. You know, it's just right, a movie you yeah. watch and. You get it, and you you, know, yeah. you get something out of it, maybe, but you don't like it necessarily. It's not a yeah, fun thing yeah. to watch. And I agree with him. It's not. It's that was not a fun watch. Although right. I did, I did enjoy. I enjoyed the fact that I got it. Like oh, having yeah, yeah. having studied the philosophy and in, in his existential <laughs> class, and then like understanding what Bellatar is trying to get at with it. I was like, oh, right. this is cool. Like I get it. This is fun. You know. Yeah. If I had watched it, you know, five years earlier, I'd have probably hated the shit. You know. Mm. 
Um, so let's talk about the ending then. I mean, this is the this is the big the big problem that Jr. is going to have with it. Am I right, Jr.? Like uh, the, how it resolves itself? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like mostly, I just like think the grandmother walking into the apartment and uh, shooting her, but that it also being filmed in a way that makes you think that it could be Adam Driver who right. has walked into the apartment mm. and shot her. It's just kind of lame. And also the the, the you know, at the beginning of the movie, there's like a dream sequence where someone shoots a deer and then we go to the grandmother's house and she's got all those, you know, deer skulls and stuff. And I was just like, mm. you know, we're, we're, we're playing this element up there. There's a sense of obviously Alba Mina is going to like feel the sense of danger here because she's had this recurring dream thing. And just all that stuff was, uh, the lamest part of the movie for me. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think that, I don't know, like, I was trying to remember how it was going to wrap up, because I was like, this is a, this is like, uh, Adam Driver's in this, like, unwinnable situation at this point, you know, where mm. he's just fucked, and he, you know, his kid is just going to slowly die, and uh, and it's sort of like what the grandmother says at the end, like, if she had killed our, her son, then she would be here, and I would be free, but, you know, I wouldn't be happy. And I agree. It's like, I don't know what the, what the end of that movie is, you know, like, mm. is it just that the kid died? Like you want, I think as an audience member, you obviously, you know, you want Adam driver to succeed in some way. You don't want anything to happen to the child. Yeah. And it's like the, the grandmother committing this murder. It's like the most obvious and easy way out of the situation. And, uh, that's, that's, that's the thing that bothers me about it is that I wish that they would have, come up with a more I don't want to say clever but just like a better way to resolve the situation than to you know have the grandmother sacrifice herself essentially yeah. you know by by killing Mina which again I agree I agree the the idea that she walks up and you don't even know it's her you think it might be driver yeah. it, it's just like a grandiose dramatic way to end this movie right that has like this movie it totally avoided that kind of like melodrama right mm. it's a very I mean, it's a very dramatic movie but it, it didn't have any of like didn't have any like stupid movie drama shit it's a small yeah it's too, it's this movie feels too small to have a murder at the end of it yeah you know it feels like too intimate and uh um i don't know like this is the idea of there in this it's like a, it's essentially a, a a single location film i mean there's a few you know shots in other places but you know they're all in this apartment and it's between him and his and the it's like a play, you know. It yeah, just really yeah. strikes me like a play more than anything. And um, yeah, I agree. That I feel like it's a a mistake to end it the way they ended it. But again, I am, you know, I'm like I'm I'm happy when that happens because I'm I feel like there's like a sense of relief when you're watching. And you're like, oh, thank God she's dead. She can't hurt this kid anymore. And when mm. he gets the kid from the police station, I'm like, thank God he's got his kid back. Like this is good. This is what you want but I just didn't want it to happen that way, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't know if it was the DVD that I watched or what, but like when the gunshot went off, like it like really like legitimately startled me. And I was like, yeah. And it was like, wow. Oh, Oh, like, Whoa, this, this is, this is where we're going. And then, then like seeing the ending and then like, you know, it kind of, you know, being explained in detail by the grandma. I was like, Oh, okay. But like for that moment it was like whoa, what yeah. you know, what's 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 happening here? Um 
Yes, I I don't know. I have mixed feelings mixed feelings about the ending. Like I felt like I don't know, like it seemed it seemed pretty one-sided as far as like, you know, we're really seeing it so much more from Adam Driver's perspective. And I don't know, like may, in a move in a movie this small and intimate, maybe they could have explored more of like, you know, postpartum depression or you know, m- more of the things that would have gone into somebody doing something like this. I feel but, like but her actions are so what she's doing is irrational, right? So it's like hmm. I, I I understand from a from a certain standpoint not delving into that too deeply because if you delve into it too deeply, it starts to unravel, right? It's like all he has to do is like you. I mean, obviously, you can't have a conversation with this person where she's going to understand anything. Hmm. But it's like it feels like what she's doing is absolutely insane. It's not doesn't make any sense. Like you're in her kind of just uh, vehement uh, uh, anti-medical, you know, anti the city, anti out of this apartment attitude about keeping their kid pure and clean and everything. It's obviously hurting the child. And she, her whole thing is just, well, you just got to trust me. I know what's good for the kid. And it's just mm. like, well, all he has to do is say, he never says like, no, you don't. You don't know what's good for the kid. Like, I don't trust you because you're hurting our child. Like, you know, mm. but he never he never comes at her that way. He never blames her for anything. He tries to because he's trying to make his marriage work also. Right. He's yeah. trying to keep her happy and satisfied. And like when they they kind of come to that moment at, and uh, near the middle where where he's like, you know, let's we'll, we'll try to make it work together, you know, and yeah. I'll, and you know I'm gonna listen to you and all this kind of stuff, but then he uh, he doesn't realize that she's giving him the oil and all that shit. But it's mm. just like, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know that you could necessarily show much more from her perspective because I don't I don't know yeah. that it's a postpartum thing. Like I I feel like I, she's I just she's disturbed. Like she's got mental issues. Like she's clearly convinced herself she's in fantasy land. You know, she's convinced herself that this mm. is the right thing to do, and it's obviously not. And everybody sees it but her. Yeah, and I the the one thing I would say is that it'd be interesting to have them in more social situations where other yeah, people could yeah. see the see the harm, you know, yeah. and like maybe that, that comment part was on. Weird. That oh, was the, that was the, kind of an irritating. For the, me, it was kind of irritating. The gallery or whatever. Those phone messages. Or? Oh, the phone. Oh, the phone messages. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, to me, that was like kind of irritating. It's like, you ever heard of a fucking babysitter? Yeah, and it's like. <laughs> Have you ever had a fucking kid? Like, <laughs> right. like get fucked, you asshole. You pretentious, pretentious Soho New York douchebags. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, from, a, from, from a certain perspective, I could see, like, you know, they, they could have easily gotten Adam Driver's mother to care for the kid for a night. You know? Right. But obviously she's not going to go for that. I mean, part of the issue, I think, was they could have also just, like, called back. That's true. Too, yeah. It sounded like they were not answering or returning phone calls. Right. Well, oh, well, that that well, was. Well, the driver thing. doesn't like, want to return phone calls because then he has to explain how crazy his wife is. Yeah, and like yeah. At, at some point, like she gets him to start leaving the phone, like all the cell phones downstairs. Oh right, yeah. Because uh, the radiation or sure. whatever phone signals. It's like yeah. uh, like Better Call Saul, the uh, the brother on Better Call Saul. I haven't watched it. Oh, he's uh he's ha- he claims that he has like this uh uh like an allergic reaction to electricity. Oh. So like he makes everybody I know, so- I know someone well I knew someone who claimed to that, that same thing. Yeah. Seriously? That's crazy. You yeah. knew somebody who was like that? 
Here's the thing. Yeah, like he he was uh, a homeless guy who used oh, to come well. to the library all the <laughs> well. time. But yeah, like he would he would literally he would literally come in and sit in front of a computer from 9 a.m. until 8:30 when the computer shut off. But he would say that Wi-Fi would give him headaches and like he would uh. say that like um like the, our printers are uh, touchscreen. He would say it would burn his finger. <laughs> And he kept tr- he kept talking about going to this place in uh, Virginia where like there's this no cell phone like no yeah they talk about that in Lo and Behold the the Herzog mm. film they interview those people right yeah 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 where it there's does. like no technology for a certain radius around this telescope right, right, right. yeah anyway yeah uh, bringing it back to uh, reality you know, <laughs> making your making your marriage work and stay together I do have to go. In just oh a yeah, sorry. All right, it's <laughs> all good. Let's uh, let's give ratings. Four, four as well. I'm gonna go uh, three point two five <sighs> just because I, I no this counts as a like. This counts as a like. Yeah, okay, but just okay. barely. <laughs> I was hoping you'd go at least three and a half. That's I, all good. Go ahead. I have too many. I have too many issues with the way Costanzo did this. I understand. I get. It. My next one will be uh, a four or better. <laughs> Anyways, uh, next week it's uh, or next time on the show, it's uh, Jr's pick. So Jr, what is your pick? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna watch the Time of the Wolf, Time of the Wolf by Michael Haneke. Oh no shit! Okay. Cool. Oh. Oh I, shit! I was just looking at his uh, stuff the other day. I added a uh, cachet or cash or whatever it's called to uh, one of my some list somewhere and uh, I realized I've only seen one of his films I've only seen the US remake of Funny Games so. <laughs> oh you haven't seen his version no I, well it is his version oh, he made I, both it, but I've right, never seen right. the uh, the original version no. okay I think I have I watched Cachet pretty recently and I, I really like it um, so I wanted to check out some more of his stuff and I haven't seen Time of the Wolf in a long time so that's what we're doing Time of the Wolf Michael Haneke and uh That'll be our show for today. So until next time, visit our website at filmiac.podient.co. Email us at filmiacpodcast at gmail.com. Like and subscribe and all that stuff on iTunes or wherever you listen. Thank you for listening. Until next time, we'll see you later. Bye-bye.